Welcome to the Ether. Today's Tuesday, November 1st, 2022. Today on the Ether, part one of a two part Chepe Space Lunk Dow. Who are they really? Let's take a listen. We need to find some like anti Lunk Dow people. <laughs> Just spread, spread the room to them. It'll be fun. Hold on. I can't remember who all of them are, actually. Let me see. I think Bruce is going to be home in a minute. He'll find some folks. That'll be fun. Poems for Cheeto uh, is now PhD world record holder and foremost expert on glyptodonts. Um, you seem to be pretty good at winning major global awards like every month. Um, I'm just curious to know how you do it. It's like an amazing amount of like like scope of activities that are going on back there. Jesus. Like, I'm wondering if you have like a team or are you able to sort of like do all this stuff on your own or what? Or you have like a lot of maybe parallel projects going simultaneously. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so as soon as we, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get some of these um, lunked out people on hopefully, and we're going to interrogate Lunkdow and, uh, you know, find out what they're all about because um, there, there is some concern about the, the price of Luna Classic. There's like this concern that the, the Indians and the Turkish people are not buying enough. Uh, we need to figure out how to rectify this, apparently. I don't know. Maybe we'll maybe we'll find some solutions here in some sort of AMA, a very serious AMA where we consider all these possibilities. It's just a bit. I think Bruce is on his way home. So pretty soon, I think you're going to have some uh, leverage options, at least some liquid stakes things and things you can kind of borrow off of and buy. I don't know if anybody's going to be playing with those anytime soon. Um, there's going to be options like that on to play on Kujira, on Luna. Not sure about Lunk, but we'll see. Have we tried Terrace? Terrace Protocol? Uh, I haven't used it yet. Have you? Yeah, just a small, small very small bag, like a couple hundred dollars. Two or three hundred thousand uh, Luna Classic. Okay. How, how did it, what, what did you do on there? How did it work out? Um, just using it, um, I have it, like I, I stake it, so I have their, um, what is it called? Amp, Amp one, and then I have it in uh, Terra Station, but nobody swaps anything. So, 
mean, that's, that's the extent that I've used it. Yeah. Have you been hold on, holding on to some Astro still or not at all? Like X Astro, the liquid staked token? No, I haven't tried uh, that yet. Where's, um, where's liquid Astro? Let me see what the yield is right now. Hold up a second. It's astroport.fi. So if you go on there, <clears throat> let me see here. One sec. Um, so it's astroport.fi. You can reach there with um, I think you can get on there from Luna or Luna Classic if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you go to the bottom, you hit the launch app button and then you go to the governance section and it shows yeah x astro currently is just a three percent apy on the luna chain and i'm not totally sure if that number is any different or how it works on the, I think all the governance staking has to be on Luna V2, I believe. Although I could be wrong about that. Um, anyway, so there's a little bit of APY, but uh, you know, it's a, Astroport's a really well-functioning DEX, but uh, has suffered from like lack of liquidity, I think largely. So it's, maybe a, a reasonable speculative thing or whatever to hold on to it. I haven't really sold any of mine. I just hold out, held on to it. See how that goes. Um, Terraswap.io doesn't have a coin. So any yield you get from LPs is from the fees. Um, I'm not sure what the fees on those have lately been either on Luna classic or, or um, Luna. Uh, haven't paid attention really, but at least, you know, the fees are sustainable because it's all just based on trading activity. Um, I suspect the, uh, like what I've seen about the Luna Classic crowd is they tend to play on just Binance and stuff and hope number go up. Um, there's very little discussion of any kind among anybody in the Classic outside of like NFTs. I think Luna V-Shape and a few other people, like, you know, they have some NFTs on Luna Classic, but almost nobody knows anything about smart con like is using dApps or like uh, using their wallet for very much. I think a few people are the ones that obviously discover like governance and things like that. They have gotten onto there. But I think uh, you have a lot of people who are not particularly like DeFi native individuals and have no idea what they're doing. So, have, you know, it doesn't look like they've tried a lot of things. Like one of the discussions was on Twitter was um, like the Terra classic needed a Dex. And the rest of us were like, um, what do you mean? <laughs> like there's already two Dexes um, there. They just need like liquidity provided and, you know, they'll work just fine. So uh, yeah, Astroport might be still a decent place to provide liquidity actually. Um, might be worth checking to see what the yields and stuff are. Actually, let me see right now if I can check that. So what you do for that is you go to the um, 
So you go to an astroport.fi, app.astroport.fi, and you go to the pool section. And on Terra V2, like the most interesting pool at, wow, at this point is the Luna X Luna pool. And that has a 32.87% APR, which is really pretty good. Um, I think the reason it's good is because most people have their Luna stuck on investing. And therefore, like, the pool is mainly people who are getting, like, Luna vesting rewards and then park it in there. But 33% APR is better than restaking your Luna, I would say. Not to mention the Luna X token is a auto-compounding token. So <clears throat> the mixture of those two, I think, makes sense. So the way you would do this is you'd like, let's say you have Luna yield from from your staking. You would take that Luna. I've got a pile of it right now, actually. You'd go to the Stater Labs site. You'd mint yourself some Luna X. I guess you could buy it from Astroport too, but I'm not sure how much slippage there is. Anyway, you'd get about equal parts Luna X and Luna in value, and then you'd go to Astroport and stake it, and that's about 33% APR. Um, so if you're intending to keep your Luna uh, and not sell it, then this, I think, is a pretty good option. The X Astro Luna pool is about 15.2% APR. That's going to be a lot more volatile because X Astro is like tiny mm, the is this the there's some random pools in there uh, let me see if there's any of anything any good here the axelar usdc luna pool is about 60 percent apr which for a stable coin pool is not bad i suppose I mean, if you're going to hold luna anyway and you wanted to sell half of it to axelar usdc and pool it and get 60% APR. That's not bad at all. Um, if you have the Astroport token and you want to combine it with Axelar USDC, that's 93% APR. And it's got about a 24-hour volume of $450,000. So that's not bad. Um, what else is in here? Let's see. Uh, I think that's the big stuff. So yeah, the recap on that is on app.astroport.fi, if you wanted to provide liquidity, there's the Astro Luna pairing at 46% APR. There is the, hold on, I lost my place here. There's the um, Axlar USDC Luna pair, which is 60% APR Astroport Axlar USDC, which is 93% APR. And right now, Astro is not particularly very inflationary. Um, you know, the APR is only running like 3%, and a lot of that's because it's on fees and stuff. So it may not be a bad choice for a USDC Axlar when you're talking about a 93% like APR. Granted, like the more people that join that, the less your APR will be. So it's like if I'm giving away the secrets here, it will lower the APR just as people join it. Um, and then Luna, Luna X is the other good one here. 33% um, APR. Anyway, there's some options to play with there. Oh, and Hooligan was asking. 
to hop on here. I was sorry, Hooligan. I was like uh, on another page. I didn't see you. <laughs> What's up, man? Oh, not much, dude. I was uh, just while you were going through all these, um, and this is all on Luna 2.0, right? That's yeah. Those are the Terra V2 Astroport pairings. Yep. Have you dove into Backbone Labs yet? That uh, Skeleton Punks have been hardcore after lately. Yeah, um, I ha I saw what they're doing. I haven't gotten myself some uh, like Boneyard Luna or whatever they want to call it, B Luna. <laughs> I haven't picked it up yet. Have you played with it already? No, I, I haven't had a chance to play with it. Actually, um, I, I spent all my Luna migrating NFTs. So um, I'm a little little dry on Luna right now, and I, I haven't found the spot. You burned now. it all. Yeah, I just haven't yeah. figured out where I want to enter so, again. But So the way, just for people that haven't used them before, the way liquid staked assets simply work is you have a coin that represents um, in the background, the protocol is staking the Luna for you. Um, so what happens over time is like, imagine like, I think Luna's APR or APY, whatever the fuck is like 12% or something is the yield. So they're auto compounding it like daily or hourly or whatever the hell it is. And that creates a situation where you don't have to necessarily keep restaking and reclaiming. Um, so that can be a value to some people. And so the way that it works is the value of the coin will rise over time because the, um, the idea is that the liquid stake token represents the accumulated value of that yield over time. Now it's, it's never perfect because on a DEX, depending on liquidity and slippage and this and that, um, there's like the true value of that coin. And then there's the DEX value of the coin. The way you know what the true value of a liquid staked coin is, you go to the protocol that issued it and you unstake on that protocol, like, like let's say a, a, the new B Luna that these guys are talking about, or like a Luna X token. And um presumably what happens then is like they will give if you do the unbonding period of whatever 21 days or something then you will get the true value in luna back you know including whatever auto compound yield you got and if you go to a dex though that number can be lower so sometimes if a dex values the the thing lower than what it would be on the true um version you can buy it on the dex and then unstake it at the, um, like you can unstake it at the core protocol and you can make that extra profit um, in the arbitrage. So yeah, liquid stake tokens tend to have a DEX arbitrage to the primary protocol that keeps the price of the DEX like, you know, correct. Because the more people that let's say buy on the DEX, they drive the price up to its true value uh, in order to sell it to Arbit on the primary protocol that's issuing the liquid stake token that ultimately keeps the price in check so uh you have to be careful on dexes when you buy liquid stake tokens because the um you, you may end up like uh getting the wrong price for it or whatever so you have to double check that before you buy it um because you can get the true value of the liquid stake token by just going to the actual proper site the actual protocol site and you can actually mint yourself the liquid stake version of it fresh then you know you're getting the absolute correct value. But sometimes you'll get the you'll get the 
liquid stake tokens for cheaper on a DEX. So it's worth always checking that. Um, but with the as high as the Luna Luna X yield is, it's like 37% or something. Um, that's pretty good because the Luna X is growing in value at a rate of 12%. The Luna is not growing in value because it's not staked. But then the combination, the two put together, I think at least the yield right now is like around 37%. So in the aggregate, you are uh, going to be better off than like just owning the liquid stake token or just staking Luna uh, from from just a price perspective. So far, Astroport uh, and TerraSwap that I'm aware of have not had any kind of like hacks or smart contract problems. Astroport was created by with support of like Delphi Digital with a lot of big folks, um, and it works quite well. Uh, so I don't think there's a whole lot of LPing risk and stuff like that on Astroport or on uh, or on TerraSwap.io, but yeah, if you have not used those, uh, and if you're like you're probably a Luna Classic user, most of the Terra, v, uh, the Luna folks know what these things are because they were playing with them before. So, but I haven't heard a lot of people from Luna Classic talk about these at all um, in their little group sessions or whatever. So I'm presuming that uh, these are not heavily DeFi, DeFi native people. In fact, a lot of the folks in the Luna Classic AMAs ask like almost no DeFi questions whatsoever. So um, I'm assuming that they're kind of not, they're sort of DeFi newbies. Um, anyway, so yeah, Hooligan, what else have you been up to? You've been uh, what kind of NFT drama you, you've been creating, just like buying a little <laughs> bit of everything or buying a little bit of everything or what? Um, honestly, yeah, I mean, there were some pretty, pretty fun launches the last like 10 days kind of going into november there's a lot of fun little halloween things some different drops from 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 different projects there um so i've been playing around in in that stuff uh rec gang did their launch on juno which was uh pretty exciting um so yeah no it's been a been an interesting interesting week of nft nonsense and uh how, watching how, the how really just by your sort of like superficial review or whatever like how vibrant would you say each of the nft platforms is in the diff on the different chains like like compare maybe like juno to a secret to uh like an omniflix or whatever do you, do you keep track of that a little bit like or do you have like a uh, maybe um do you have like your finger on the pulse of all that um i would say somewhat yes because I'm, I'm active in in most of those communities i actually don't have any uh, nfts on omniflix um, I haven't haven't ventured over there yet, but um, I kind of like to rank them like let like if you think of it, I don't have an official ranking, I guess, but like the way I would think of it is like comparatively, everyone knows Ethereum's obviously the biggest NFT chain, and then you have Solana, um, which Solana is just really really tough to figure out what's gonna pump and not dump. Um, it's a it's a hard market to play in. It's definitely for for experts, not for noobs. Um, I would say with the Ethereum one as well. I mean, I saw some really big accounts tweeting about one that turned out to be a really big rug, um, and wrecked a lot of people this week. So I try not to dabble too hard in those areas unless I I have a tie to a project. I I've been in something they've done before, or I know who's actually building it, um, and then I usually go over there and and get wrecked anyways. Um, 
<laughs> but <laughs> so, the, so your, your, your alpha, your alpha has not helped you really. Like, uh, yeah, because I mean, even though you might know a great project and they're building really cool, really cool shit, it doesn't mean that everyone else that's in those big pump and dump arenas gives a hoot, right? So you can end up in a really high quality project, uh, pretty deep, pretty quick. And then it just doesn't do anything because it just didn't catch whoever's eye. I mean, it really is kind of what's the soup du jour in those markets. Um, Tara was obviously a really fun yeah, up and coming. Like, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I guess Tara would have really, I guess. Well, it's also where the liquidity is, right? So it's like when a lot of people were sort of Luna rich, as I call it, like, you know, you could go and blow money because you could borrow off your Luna. You could do this and that and you could buy whatever the hell. So people bought a lot of things because they felt wealthy enough to do so. Right. So it's like, Hmm, where can I blow my money on, on, you know, on the chain? And and I think that's when it was really, really um, obviously busy. So it's like, it, there's not just the bear market where people are just not like paying attention. It's the bear market where people don't feel like they're, as rich to go buy things like NFTs. Um, yeah, that that's kind of the sense I get. Um, but like at the same time, you know, if you're just buying NFTs for fun, just like, I, like what I do, they just grab random things here and there. Um, I'm, I'm seriously just like, just mashing buttons. I don't have no fucking clue what I'm doing. I just grab a few here and there. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, I think that's the, uh, Oh, he dropped off for a minute. Oh, there you are. You fell off for a second. Yeah, I was going to say, like, uh, I don't know if you heard what I said, but, like, I'm just sort of grabbing them largely at floor prices and stuff. I'm not necessarily, like, looking at all these different tricks, like rarity and whatever the hell, and, like, detailing all that. I figured, like, the the floor price stuff or the, like, least rare stuff is the most liquid, right, as far as NFTs, so... It's like there's always going to be a market for the the lowest price stuff compared to the highest, in a way. So I don't chase that rarity. Do you do that, Hilgen, at all, or do you like? Do you tend to pay a lot more for the rare ones, or what? So, um, unless I'm just super duper into the project, um, I generally won't spend a bunch of money on rare ones. I'd rather try my hand minting, just in the hopes that you do get a rare one. Um, but generally, like, let's say if I'm entering a project, so let's say if I was going to go buy a, um, I went and bought a Star Chodes the other day. I think you've been getting blown up by people wanting you <laughs> to get one of those. So I'll use that as an example. Yeah, I, I, I've got one of the baby ones and one of the, like, the, I don't know, big ones, adult ones or whatever you want to call them, just, just for fun. Yeah, I, I basically just scrolled till I found one that I, I liked the the color combo on, didn't give a shit about rarity and just bought it. So it was definitely not based on any rarity score. It was on like, ah, that one's got a wiener and it's albino and it looks weird. Let's buy that. So uh, that that was my big uh, like. Yeah, just like BYO your aesthetic sense of it. Yeah. But like, I mean, back back when when Terra was pumping and and everyone had liquidity, I mean, I dropped ten grand on a Hellcat um, because I liked the rarity and it also gained entry to two sub communities. Um, and I saw yeah, value I've, in that. I've never spent like yeah that kind of money on an NFT just yet. Like, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't thrown that kind of money around just for fun for NFTs. Um, I, it definitely wasn't an easy decision at all to spend that kind of money. And I know some people will just go drop a hundred K on a, a, a mutant ape or, or whatever. 
Um, but like, that's pretty hard for me to drop a, a really nice sports car on a JPEG or a, a house. <laughs> but um, that being said, I, I definitely, if I'm entering a project, I usually at least grab a floor or two. So that way, if I do want to turn profit, I have something I can. I'm not very good at selling NFTs, to be honest. But um, yeah. Yeah, I, it, might, it might be the right thing to do is just, you know, get random ones and then just like throw some on the marketplace to sell. And if they sell, they do, if not, whatever. Right. I mean, it's that, not yeah. And that's how I stayed liquid in when I was on, on Terra. So I would always max mint uh, projects I felt strong about, and then I would keep two or three, and then I would sell the rest to recoup what I spent on the mint. So that was the way I could keep buying NFTs and accumulating. Cause I, I did a lot of accumulation and, and I guess technically I still have been accumulating. Um, the problem is, is in a bear market, it's not as easy. So on in the bull run, if you minted a strong project, you were usually getting two to four X right away on the floor. And right now we're seeing not so much that it's usually right at mint, sometimes below mint, other times a little above, but it takes a while to establish two, three X over floor uh, for a lot of these projects uh, lately. Some of the ones on Solana have been ripping but generally, like you look at Stargaze, like their Heroes Pixels are really close to mint price. Um, it's really the big now, established guys. How do you, how do you, um, so what are you doing to account for, like, let's say, um, so I think, I don't remember what price I bought, like the Stargaze token at, but I bought a bunch, staked it or whatever. And I've been using my yield periodically to buy NFTs. Okay. So, stargaze's price jumped like 50 percent lately it was i think i bought like i bought a good chunk of it like maybe like twelve thousand dollars of stargaze or some shit and i bought a lot because i figured well you know one the the like price has been wrecked already it's got a 60 percent yield i'll collect that inflationary yield and maybe i'll buy nfts maybe i'll just like restake it whatever right and i and so that cash pile or that stargaze pile is not worth 18,000 bucks just as like a like a reference point it jumped a lot quickly right but then like okay um i i would imagine and it, and it seems like this is what happened like the selling price that people put up on for their nfts they dropped their sale prices because the coins more valuable now right do you find that people in NFT markets, like buyers and sellers, are more heavily thinking about the price of the NFT in the native token, or you think they're thinking about it mentally from the perspective of, like, um, you know, the U.S. cash value of it? Like, you know what uh, I mean? Like, or do you like change the prices of your sale price of your NFTs if the price of the token sort of skyrockets or something? Well, I, I 100%, I think you answered your own question because the market already shows that at least on floors that people are adjusting. So whether I look at it that way or not, that's what the market does, um, especially in a bear. Is that what was going on in the NFT market? Like generally, say, for example, when like, I don't know, like let's say Luna what was like at $100 and it dropped to like 50 bucks. Did you see this kind of uh, behavior in the like, yeah, in those markets then? Or is that just like a bear market phenomenon? 
Um, no, we would see it, but I don't think people were as hyper attentive because when, if you think back to like, especially most of my experience was on Terra. So if Terra was pumping, everyone was really excited and liquidity would pour into the, the NFT market. If Luna was dumping, everybody was so hyper focused on getting their fucking anchor loan to value stabilized that um, it was kind of a hodgepodge. Like you would see floors get wrecked a little bit, but you would also see people go in and swoop it up. So um, I think what was interesting about the Terra one was, is it was such a healthy ecosystem. Um, and that's what was really exciting about it. Like it wasn't pump and dump. You didn't have to, like, it wasn't as hard to break into as like Ethereum. Like it was just a really unique place. And Stargaze is starting to emulate that, but I think it's emulating that because Terra projects are coming over and that, that culture's intertwining with Stargaze projects. But um, I would say definitely in the bear, people are a lot more price attentive than they are in the bull. But I don't know if I would say it's a phenomenon. I kind of I like the idea that Stargaze, um, besides being like the first app chain on Cosmos, I kind of like the idea that the NFTs are not tied to... Um, maybe it's a good or bad thing that they're not tied to the success of any one individual layer one in the cosmos besides itself. Right. Like, what do you think about that? Like, do you think it's going to be, do you think long run, like the, like, for example, the Juno NFT platform um, is going to be more successful or, or, or a secret, or do you think Stargaze just gets more visibility because it's like a neutral player? What do you think? Uh I think they all have their spots, to be honest. Like, I think Secret will always have a ecosystem and demographic as long as their security layer stays functioning. Um, some people just want privacy and whether the market believes it or not, NFTs still have proven to be a really great hedge. Um, I mean, in the Terra crash, I should have been completely wiped out. Uh, but because I held so many damn Terra NFTs, I could go recoup probably 18% of my original bag, maybe 20% now. And when you think about that versus people that went legitimately to zero, I'll take a 20% hedge over zero every fucking day. Um, yeah, I guess it also depends on what price you bought what at too. At that too. Well, I was, so it's kind I of was, yeah, if we went off total value of what my bag was worth, like at the peak of the market and I had liquidated everything and there was a buyer for everything, it would have been different. But if you look at, I kept a spreadsheet of what I spent on NFTs. So I know that I put probably about a, like hundred grand into the NFT market on Terra. Uh, and I would say I could move my bag right now for probably close to 20 grand. Um, I have a lot of fucking NFTs though. <laughs> like it's a, that'd be a lot of work. Yeah, it you know the 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 other sort of interesting place is these like the new kind of uh or even some of the older guys uh in, that were in Terra who now are maybe making NFTs on Luna Classic is interesting. Have you paid attention to those guys at all? Like V Shapes project and stuff? Um, um I really haven't and shame on me. Um, I've had so much, I've had to put so much time and effort into the Juno um, NFT scene because it's just non-existent. I mean, it is there, but it's the liquidity's not like, yeah, people just haven't caught on. Right. Um, so I think because the, the classic chain, what's interesting is you have uh, a lot of people like it's a, 
the NFT scene on there has not become frothy at all, right? So it's like everything is relatively, I, I think, cheap comparatively. And there isn't that many, there aren't that many things. And the few things that are there, like I think they have like a V-shape has his like punks thing and everything there as well. It's a, it's kind of, um, I don't know, there's, a, it's, it's easier to get in on the so-called OG status there than many other platforms, which is interesting. Um, yeah. The one thing I would point out on Classic, and I'm, I'm totally down for people to point out where I'm wrong, um, because again, I haven't thrown a lot of time at it recently, but I own a lot of NFTs from projects there. And as I've gone through and cleaned out my Discord monthly um, to get rid of where it looks like projects are dead, there's not a lot of those OG teams building. If they were, they migrated with One Planet or they migrated with Nowhere, or they migrated with Talus. So a lot of those collections where the teams are still active made that push to Terra 2.0. Um, and that's also how you knew those projects were alive because if they migrated, you know the teams are actually still responding and doing something. Um, I think of some OG blue chips like um, XYZ, which was the, the planet exploration one based off coordinates yeah. that was really fun like nothing from their team ghost um which is really sad because everything still works like you can still play the game there's just no team there actively working on it it looks like at least not that i'm aware of so some of these og ones that you're getting in you're taking a really big gamble that those teams might come back to develop them because what we are learning in the nft scene is if someone's well, not actively what, what building, I say, what I meant to say about OG is not the old stuff on Luna, Luna that was there, but sort of the people that are producing NFTs on the new, I guess, who, who are actually participating in, like I don't know, things like Twitter Spaces, this and that, and they are sort of like fostering in a new Luna Classic community, not like the the old Terra V two folks, right? So that those nfts might you know turn out to be a reasonable thing as well is all i'm saying it, especially oh, because sense. just because there's like it's almost like a new culture it, i'm not i'm not talking about the old old like whatever stuff you had left over on luna classic like yeah i have some there too and like um and, and i think tal is the one like letting you migrate stuff right so you could I yeah, there was a few. Talus, Nowhere, and then even uh, the Astro Heroes team has been been helping people migrate. So there were three ways to migrate for virtually free. And then Aliquid Labs did their version where the teams that were migrating could charge a fee to try and kind of rebuild their uh, treasuries. Mm, okay. Yeah, the, yeah, a lot of interesting stuff there. The, the thing that Talus is doing is that, are they going to be supporting... Luna Classic and Luna, or like, or is it just migrations that they're supporting? I believe Talus is running running them both. Um, plus, they have Juno NFTs uh, that they've started launching as well. Like we saw yeah. PS Labs do a collection over there. I noticed yeah. that you can connect your uh, Kepler wallet, I think, to to Talus as well. And that's the other thing too is like, it wouldn't surprise me that NFT platforms just simply become they accept multiple wallets simultaneously. Like, why wouldn't you? Um, so that's I've, I've, been, I've been screaming that for a year and a half that uh, I, I've just been dumbfounded why, why every blockchain has its own marketplace and why there's not just a default like 
hook up your Kepler, hook up your Phantom, hook up your Terra station, hook up your MetaMask, boom, conduct bit. Like, why would you not want to fee rake from all the chains? Well, it's it's more difficult when I, I, I guess the wallet that you're dealing with, like, let's say the NFT that you buy is on. You know, like if you can pay one currency for it, but the actual NFT is on a different chain entirely, then your wallet would have to be compatible with both to sort of have it make sense. Maybe, um, I think that may be part of it. But I, but with IBC, you can imagine a world where that becomes less um, less complicated. So, like a multi-wallet uh, connecting to multiple things um, is going to be fairly feasible, and maybe like. Uh, projects will maybe uh, have a portion of their project uh, mint go onto three or four different chains. You know, because like to me, it seems like the chains get benefit because NFTs are sort of like a de facto advertising. Um, on the flip side, the NFTs get benefit because of the liquidity on that particular chain. So there's kind of a give and take there. But if you look at any given day, right, like, uh nft tweets and retweets and whatever are what at least like <laughs> sometimes it's like like two-thirds of all the tweet volume it seems like right wouldn't you agree i mean like it seems like that's people are showing off their shit and they're or maybe they're shilling their project or whatever it is um versus net let's say for example look right now how many different like DeFi related tweets are you seeing right very very little i think I would well. I think there's a couple of reasons that happens. One, NFTs are extremely community driven, um, so people absolutely want to yell and scream. And I haven't met an NFT project yet that doesn't beg their uh, their community to do so. So I think it's a different personality type. Whereas protocol um, minded folks and DeFi minded folks still want to tweet about things and talk, but it's generally going to be more research based. Um, I guess more time consumption. I think a lot more effort goes into <clears throat> promoting a um, Astro port and writing articles and info about Astro port and why it's cool or unique or why you should be using it than goes into saying, hey, I think this art's really neat, plus the community's fun to hang out with, and they give us some free shit now and again, so that's cool. Um, you so should come join. Like, it's, it's like easier to make an impulse buy of the nft compared to i don't know like say investing in a you know some sort of dex coin or something 100 percent. yeah i think it's just a, a different product so the noise is more have you seen much in the way of like music related nfts uh, on stargaze there is one right now where it's like there's a brief music clip and it's tied to some old school like synthesizers like maybe a korg you know, or, uh, you know, mini Moog or something like that. Some of the old analog synthesizers. And um, there's a little funny little picture and everything. I think there's only 40 NFTs sold, but like there's, you can hit play and there's like a little sound that goes with it that demonstrates the sound of the thing. Like, have you seen more of those kinds of things where like people are trying to attach sound files and stuff? Absolutely. So SkyMonks on Juno, so they launched on Juno through Loop. Uh, each one of them has a unique one-minute clip um, of different kind of like meditative, relaxing music. And they're actually re really enjoyable. Like they did a killer job. 
Um, so we're seeing, do they create these like themselves or some sort of AI generated thing or something or what? Um, they created it themselves. And then the way it's set up is even the music has like its own metadata. So you'll have bass one keys two, drums four and ambient five, or like, I don't know if that's what the traits are called, but for fun and all those are randomized. But yet they all still flow together because of the wonderful laws of music theory. Um, so they did a really great oh, job. With that's it. that's really interesting. So the actual sounds that they make are also traits. Mm -hmm. and so, yeah. So you're saying like, OK, they all have the same tempo or whatever, and they've all been designed to work together. So it doesn't sound like some sort of cacophony or something, but you they just subtracted some of the music tracks for some of the nfts and the ones that have all of the the track all the the channels i guess i should say not tracks but you have all the channels for the track then that would be like the rarest one like um, the complete something not, like that not, not quite so they basically just made it where every every nft has its own unique track but the way the tracks are put together let's say they had a hundred different track traits that all randomized for the collection of xyz amount yeah so they could still have their own rarity level in the metadata um i don't know if there is a, a rhyme or reason to that or how how disparaging they it probably would be. they probably made sure though that like if you got you know any combination of traits the thing's going to sound right you got it exactly so yeah it's yeah if you just like know how a digital workstation or whatever works then you just simply like you you know you have these layers of channels and you uh so yeah i see what they're doing and yeah interesting it's like you're yeah, getting kind of a it's like a remix in a sense of different channels and stuff that are on depending on which nft you bought yeah if you think like garage band for instance i don't know if you've ever played on garage band but you can put automated yeah. sounds on GarageBand, and no matter what tempo you choose, what style you choose, what if you drop strings in, it's going to sound correct for whatever's running. So I assume they did something to that extent to produce all these different layers and tracks. But that's that's a pretty cool one um, on Matic uh, Revolver Record or Revolver Magazine uh, has been doing uh, drops with pretty big bands where you go in and mint an NFT and based on the rarity of NFT, you get the coordinated color vinyl and you get that shipped to you. So you get an NFT plus a vinyl. So I've been, I've been fucking off with those quite a bit, uh, mostly because I like vinyl and I'm a, a nerd, but. And it that, seems like that was cool. it seems like uh, new Cosmos chains, like let's say Kajira, for example, um it, it almost behooves them to have some sort of nft projects launching here and there i think kajira has um the heroes people did one and then i think there's another kajira one that um like kajira whales or something like that i forget the name of it um but they asked me to kind of like you know post about it and i'm like yeah sure uh they had one on they're having one on stargaze show up but it's really just a like a type of advertising for a, any kind of cosmos chain, right. Or app chain or something like that, which is kind of interesting. So I think there's an element of uh, it just being used as like almost like a t-shirt, you know, for a business, you know, like, um, like, you know, your favorite sports brand or whatever has some sort of t-shirt similarly, like it's like they, any, any, any app chain or any chain would want to have some sort of 
uh, NFT culture built around it just for just pure marketability, if anything. You, you, would, you would think, like you would think, but for some reason, not every chain is so quick to embrace it or to shout it from the rooftops, which is interesting to me. Like Kajira doesn't even have NFTs on their chain, but yet they have projects making Kajira NFTs on Stargaze and, uh, you know, releasing there. And yeah, it, it is interesting in that a, not everyone's a, in a taking way, advantage. In a way, you sort of want to be on other chains, right? Because you're trying to bring uh, attention to your chain for people that are already somewhere else, whereas the people on your chain who are already doing like whatever, you know, Kujira people do, liquidations or whatever, right? Uh, trading. They're sort of already um, like you're not getting a new user necessarily. Uh, off your own chain. Off your own chain from a, yeah. from a, from a, like a, yeah, just from a marketing perspective. I guess you might, but like you could do it on both chains, I suppose, but, and maybe they will, I don't know. They Kajira, there's no obvious reason why they can't do something on their chain, but like maybe they're not that interested in running like a, like a full marketplace, right? There's something to be said for, you know, maybe not wanting to do everything. And I think theirs is, uh, I don't believe they're going to be an open chain. I believe all the dApps on their chain are going to be produced by them. And, um, I don't believe they're trying to build a permissionless system as far as I know. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't believe they are either. And I mean, in a sense, what you're describing is either just cross marketing or guerrilla marketing, depending on, on how it's done or, or what your, your intentions are. Um, and I, yeah, I, I definitely think there's a point to it. And I mean, to look at it from like a retail standpoint, premier leagues looking at launching NFTs again for their teams, players and, and merch. So I think we're going to see, um, I think people are figuring out NFTs are a vessel for whatever you really want it to, to be a vessel for. Uh, and once you have a vessel that is secured by blockchain, uh, it really opens up a lot of doors on, on what your imagination can do with them. I mean, that's why we're building a ticketing protocol is we think we can do a better job than Eventbrite and QR codes. So, yeah. Uh, oh, for Anyone that doesn't know, by the way, um, if you're using chains like Luna Classic, Luna, Adam, Kajira, and any others that you see it, um, Bruce and some of our friends that um, that we know from um, like original, uh, you know, Terra before the crash crowd um, kind of got together and put together a validator service called LunkDAO and... Um, uh, Bruce initially started out by just sort of starting it for Luna Classic, and then once once you know how to do a Cosmos validator node, though it's not hard to do a validator on multiple um, like Cosmos chains or whatever. So uh, he's got a tech person in the background that is um, deploying those things. So if you see that on multiple chains, that's what that is. Um, I know they started on Kujira recently as well, um, but. Uh, yeah, they have, they're on Adam, they're on Luna, Luna Classic, at least four right now. I'm not sure which other ones they have. So that's what that is, just in case people are wondering. Uh, I, I love the amount of community validators that are coming up and project validators that are coming out compared to, I don't know if I'm going to say compared to the ways of old, because I can't speak on those those ways, because most of those, those validators came online before my time in crypto, but like... I love that, you know, Bruce and, and that group of people have put together LunkDAO. I, I love that you're seeing like NFT projects with validators 
um, popping up on different chains too. Like it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty fun time once you figure out how to play the validator game. Yeah. And uh, well, the key to the validator thing is being a good validator. First and foremost, it's the, the community engagement and everything is a good way to sort of help achieve delegations. But number one thing is just dude, like your, your computational team or whatever in the background and the uptime and, you know, rolling out updates in a timely manner and all of those things are, are really important. So, um, yeah, that's that's a key thing. It's not uncommon for validators to validate multiple chains because once you have the, the ability to do so, it makes sense to diversify your revenue considering it's the exact same skill set needed to run these no matter which chain they are in the Cosmos. It's basically the same, same skill set. So, um, and they're more likely to be successful if they're doing multiple chains um and also like the community validators being smaller it helps with decentralization because like for example if uh, a binance or a coinbase or something like that holds these massive liquid staking wallets that they use for their clients that are using those platforms you, you wind up getting a significant uh centralization of um power there uh, in terms of certain validators and uh, oftentimes those validators don't participate in any kind of like uh, uh, supervision of the chain, you know, uh, checking code. They don't necessarily, um, uh, they don't necessarily vote actually on behalf of their holders. So that's an interesting paradigm. Um, it's almost like we need like separate validators for institutions that are sort of on a class of their own of some kind where they don't maybe they don't vote uh and maybe their yield is slightly different or something or i don't know what i'm not sure how to solve that decentral that centralization problem but we'll see um oh hey jack's here oh hey jack what's up man oh hey what's going on oh nothing we're just just we were talking kind of nfts here hooligans uh been around nfts for a bit uh I was just sort of gauging his sense of the cosmos marketplaces across different chains and stuff. Oh, you know, fun! Just got on to have, I was wondering about it. Uh, I was <laughs> wondering about Lunacy DAO, and uh, you know, we've been chatting about oh, that yeah. lately. So, uh, anyway, if you guys want to chat about that, I, I'd love to. Yeah, Look DAO is basically um, it's not really a DAO. Actually, <laughs> it's just kind of a funny name. Um, so what? So one of our friends, uh, Bruce, he um when the luna classic chain emerged um and the, the so the history of this is that emerged because it was the chain with the tokenomics like where you know became hyperinflated right you had a massive minting of luna because of the ust uh dpeg situation and then the mint burn mechanism was turned off in order to prevent like infinite hyperinflation and um, since then, uh, the Luna Classic blockchain has been um, uh, sort of like tended to by a group of people called Terra Rebels, which is a loosely um, put together group of people that came from different backgrounds, some coding backgrounds. And they have been working on like updating the chain and doing this and that. So that's more, more the last few months. But right when the thing crashed, um bruce lost um uh, i don't know a shit ton of money like many millions on uh the luna crash as many of us did and um he's like all right i need to figure out how to like what to do next 
and he and um, some friends that were on uh, Terra doing some different projects decided to create um, sort of like this, I don't know, this LunkDAO account, which is kind of a, just a name for nothing. It's just a, just a name. And um, so what ended up happening is, is that uh, they started a validator on Luna Classic and really started out by just kind of bringing um, a lot of attention to the chain in a sense, like just, you know, just hyping it and kind of having fun. Mostly just a lot of humor and just shenanigans, honestly. Like the whole idea was to sort of create like virality. And um, the only thing anyone could think about is how depressed everyone was about, you know, how fucked up the tokenomics were and like the whole crash and everything. So LunkDAO was the only people that um, were really like posting and, and Bruce was just having fun posting about Luna Classic and, and just really just memifying the whole thing. Honestly, that's what it was. And then sort of like between that and some, you know, like Reddit groups and a few other people, you had this massive amount of capital flow into Luna Classic, just like virally. Like if, if, if there's no question that like his efforts made, um, you know, the price of coin go up, that's for sure. Um, Cause I was there. I remember I was the, I was one of the people that are like, I don't know what you're doing. Like, why the hell are you bothering with Luna Classic? Maybe the validators are going to give up. There's not a clear like way you're going to pay them long term, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I was being pretty pessimistic about it. And um, so he started posting about it. And then later I did. I think it was like like three days after I kind of threw a post out that the thing popped like, I don't know, a billion dollars or something ridiculous. It was kind of funny, actually. Um, and it was weird because a lot of new users showed up, um, all sorts of people like that had nothing to do with the original Luna. I would say probably like 95% of people on Luna Classic um, bought on spot exchanges. They sort of like barely know anything about DeFi. Many don't even have a Terra Station wallet or like participate in governance or whatever. They just felt like, well, it's a speculative fun thing. They all showed up. And like I've interviewed a lot of people that have uh, like just showed up to buy things. And and now like what what's happening is obviously the Terra Rebels people are trying to upgrade the chain. They're trying to re-enable IBC, especially for osmosis, where there are trapped assets. And um, Jacob and like Sunny have been helping a little bit with making that happen. And uh, that's sort of like the Terra Rebels people. But LunkDAO has kind of like moved on to sort of like validate for multiple chains. We, um, they're they're on uh, Cosmos Hub. They're on Kujira. They're on Luna already. Um, so, so I think they're like, they're planning on doing like six or seven chains there. It's kind of a small, you know, like some team and a like, you know, community type thing. And really like most of the fun has been just kind of being humorous, kind of fucking around on spaces, uh, doing some things like this where we talk serious stuff and other times just joking around and messing around. And, um, you know, we're just bringing in lots of people into cosmos that had nothing to do with like cosmos before honestly so a huge number of people that came in via luna classic they're like not particularly super well sort of educated about proof of stake systems they're not necessarily like um really savvy to like DeFi type things and um you know and i think uh just like many people that were originally in luna branched out and tried all sorts of different cosmos things i think uh there's a lot to be learned in the cosmos right there's a lot of like crypto theory and NFT ideas and all sorts of shit to be learned. And I think a lot of people um, 
who've come via like this Luna Classic idea suddenly, you know, started learning about governance and like the complications of tokenomics and all sorts of shit. And a lot of people are truly absolute amateurs about it, which is fine. But, you know, you have a lot of people who are learning very, very quickly. Obviously, Jack, when your bags are heavy, um, all of a sudden everything's important, right? (laughs) So, yeah, totally. So, so a lot's happening. And, um, and I think that's a, a good community uh, of, you know, just a lot of new people, you know, and, and they'll have their fun. And, and um, I think we'll, uh, once everything's sort of reconnected and uh, Luna Classic is basically a fully upgraded um, Cosmosm chain, uh, because Terra, or the Terraform Labs actually didn't um, do all of the upgrades for Terra you know, the, the classic chain, the, the new chain Terra Luna two or whatever you want to call it, Luna is fully upgraded and it's a fully capable chain. But like some of our theories are that, you know, like let's say Luna classic, it's fully upgraded. You could dual deploy dApps on things like a Juno. You could uh, take a dApp and copy paste it onto Luna and Luna classic. You can sort of like access like liquidity for, from multiple um, destinations and stuff and do a lot more cross chain, um, you know, volume and whatever. So it's a good thing for them to fix all of that. And there are teams doing it, but yeah, look, Bruce, uh, like what, what's your take on like what LunkDAO is going to be about? Like what's <laughs> we were talking, I was trying to give, I was giving Jack the sort of like my version of it. Uh, maybe you can, since you're here, you can maybe throw your two cents in. Oh, not now. Sophie. I've just walked <laughs> home in the rain for two, like an hour. Oh, you know. walked home in the rain. Jesus. Let me, let me get something to eat. <laughs> Jeez, go, go and dry yourself off. Jeez. Yeah, eat something. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, Jack, that's kind of, I think, um, what his group is doing. I'm sort of speaking for him. And um, I think it's fun. I think it's been uh, like, you know, I've delegated with him uh, some and, and you know, we've um, been kind of and I'm not even actually part of the team or anything like that. I just have fun with the guys. And um, basically, or the other way to look at it is Bruce's idea is like everybody that delegates to LunkDAO is a CEO of LunkDAO. So that's kind of the the ethos. It's not really much of a DAO, but a, like a collective of people that just sort of like believe in having fun, something like that. Um, so yeah, if that's, if that's a sensible uh, use of a, a validator, well, that's, that's the, that's the ethos. Jack. <laughs> Maybe cool. you have some suggestions. I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm been seeing a lot more folks from this community and, and sort of like started to interact with folks on a more of a technical level and trying to figure out how, you know, how strange love and I, I might be able to help and get you guys kind of more integrated in the cosmos. Um, you know, I think from an outsider perspective, after Terra collapsed, it was extremely chaotic and it was really hard to kind of see where the community was going to go. And there's a huge chunk of it that seems to co- have coalesced around this. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's been kind of fascinating to watch. Like internet communities are a interesting place and, and it's always kind of um, when there's these huge tumultuous events like the Terra collapse, it's always interesting to see how things kind of end up. Yeah, it's like the, in this particular instance, like, uh, you know, like for Luna Classic, like you have all sorts of different, you know, arguments going on, like what the tokenomics should be, what should be the, um, 
you know, goals of the chain, how are validators going to get paid? Because right now it's a, uh, a deflationary thing where like, you know, token burns happen for various reasons, transactions and such. But um, it there's a community pool from the previous, um, well, the previous community pool still exists and is they're paying out the validators that way in an effort to um, in an effort to avoid uh, inflation any further right now. But later, there's going to be a need to sort of pay validators to, to work on the network. And I think my suspicion is, is that mm, Little Classic ends up becoming some form of uh, inflationary token, just like any others, to solve that problem, obviously. There's a reason why, like, Cosmos chains have inflation and not deflationary mechanisms because how do you consistently pay validators otherwise, right? You're sort of like diluting to pay out the staking rewards, right? Um, but um, yeah, I think there's some controversy and like uh, not only just controversy, but like a lot of misunderstanding of how a blockchain works among folks that are voting on different things. And uh, it's been fascinating. Yeah, it's I, I always like as somebody who's a developer and I've made a career out of managing developers and sort of building developer teams um it's always kind of interesting for me when uh groups of people who are sort of outside of that space start talking about uh, hiring developers managing developers and developer pay uh and i've seen a lot of <laughs> a lot of that discussion yeah. too, which is uh just uh, frankly kind of funny yeah it's a uh, starting from scratch and and working your way into that is really sort of like a multi-year process, I think, um, of learning and uh, understanding the market and, you know, what you should pay people and what you shouldn't. You know, it's like it's almost like if you've never, I don't know, built a house before and you're going to be your own general contractor, you don't really know exactly how much, you know, electricians charge or plumbers charge and you're kind of hiring a bunch of people taking bids but you've not had enough history of like building houses to understand like what a good bid looks like exactly. Right. Um, yeah. And I think that many folks think that you can just pay people, nothing, tell them exactly what to do and uh, then have a very arm's length relationship and still get good work out of developers. And, you know, that is just, especially folks who understand blockchain things, uh, and sort of understand the technicalities of these types of systems we work on. There's not the type of labor pool where where that's practical. And uh, just <laughs> seeing some of the salaries that, that people are complaining about tossed around in these discussions is uh, always a little bit <laughs> shocking. The other thing, too, is like there's a fairly international community. So like what seems like a lot of money in one jurisdiction or, or country or whatever um, is is like it depends on the market rate uh, and that's kind of like the web three magic too and it's it's hard to figure i think it's hard for people to to like put wrap their hands around like what exactly is an appropriate um amount to pay people and all these types of things so like uh, yeah i think i think it's interesting that like cosmos has a lot of um a lot of very good developers and a lot of people you could ask advice from. And I think um, sometimes like connecting with those people is a tricky part. It almost makes sense. Like there are some people that maybe are consultants or something in this regard, or, you know, that have experience and actually 
you know, a blockchain community just literally pays a consultant to sort of like go over some of these things. That's what you do in, uh, in like, for example, commercial real estate. Sometimes if you're not sure, like, wait a minute, like, I'm not sure if this $10 million project makes sense. You might call someone to look at it and um, examine all the details and sort of almost audit it for you and make sure that the bids and whatever the hell makes sense because you're spending so much money, it makes sense to spend $10,000 on a consultant to sort this shit out before you spend the rest of the money. So, um, yeah, there's, I, th I think there may be some job opportunities for people that have like a history in this space. But um, yeah, I think AB and then Hooligan had some comments or something. AB, go ahead. AB, you there? Or Hooligan, either of you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I'll jump in until AB yeah. wants to jump in. Um, yeah. I just wanted to start with an amen. Um, oh, like I'm out of breath. The wife who just made me carry like an 80 pound Christmas tree into the house. So I'm sorry, I'm fat. Uh, but uh, legitimately just, just amen. Like um, the amount of misinformation on what it costs to develop and bring something from idea past beta into a fully functioning um, D app, for instance, is just, uncanny in this space um and then the comparison that i keep seeing come up where people will compare apples and oranges <laughs> on development fees like back to our marketplace conversation like i don't think people realize how how fucking hard it is to develop an actual functioning marketplace and how much time and and how many sprints that is with full stack devs like shit's expensive and uh i just well, I mean not, i can't, just, can't wait not just coding at hooligan but in a marketplace, you have two sides. You have two different user groups that you have to market to, and you have to bootstrap demand and supply at the same time. Yeah, I mean, if, if it was so, so darn easy to do, you'd think, um, you know, like Stash and Magic Eden would be perfect by now with how much money they've had to go through or look at OpenSea, that's a hot pile of dog shit. Um, and they've, they've run through billions of dollars in, uh, in earnings like it's just nuts 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 yeah really complicated businesses to run honestly um and uh, i've also uh, you know seen it's really hard to i don't know on the one hand it, we had this discussion jack with the adam 2.0 uh governance ideas too right it's any sort of centralized group of people um, almost like you think of in Republic with representatives, like whether it's senators or congressmen or committees or whatever the hell you want to call them, you will always have cries by some people of centralization, right? And then with that comes the possibility of, let's say, treasury uh, misallocation, mismanagement, graft, and any other number of problems that can happen. On the other hand, if you don't do any of those things, you don't have uh, a representation and maybe like uh, organization of some kind, then you don't accomplish anything necessarily. And almost in my response to that typically has been, well, I think what you want is Bitcoin. Like you want to buy, you, you, you want to own a trustless thing that has almost no changes to it. You're sort of in the wrong place is kind of the sense I get, Jack. Like what, what are your thoughts on kind of these this constant back and forth between like governance based uh non immutable cha immutable chains 
versus something like a BTC where like maybe some people feel like that's what they really want. Yeah, you know, I mean, this is why a lot of folks in Cosmos are kind of closet Bitcoin maxis is because, you know, if you want something that is like Bitcoin, then you should go work on Bitcoin. If you want to build a community around an idea and have some software mediation there and ensure that, you know, the, the people who own the network are the actually the token holders um, and that you guys can govern it yourselves. We build an excellent toolkit for doing that. Um, there is, you know, in the, the sort of history of human coordination, it's extremely hard to find examples where there's no individual people sort of pushing an idea. Like even with Bitcoin, think about Andres Antonopoulos and how many people he brought into Bitcoin and how there had been sort of a series of different sort of central spokesmen for Bitcoin. I think that the... Um, you know, the block size wars back in 2014, 2015 are really did a lot to inspire the current Cosmos governance design. And I think that they've got a lot to teach us about decentralization as a whole. Um, I, I think that the types of systems we build here in Cosmos, there's absolutely a lot of use for them and a huge sort of proof point for that is the number of different things of these that are deployed and the amount of economic value that's managed on top of them. And I think if we kind of ignore that, it's it's at our own peril. The other sort of biggest attempt at doing a, a truly neutral chain is Ethereum. And I think that pretty much everyone can see that they're running into some serious issues. And this idea of having one blockchain layer that it's the the you know the the properly decentralized one and it's you know better than everything else, like that's that is centralization in and of itself and, and likely to fail in the longer term in the face of the type of regulatory onslaught we're likely to see over the next few years. So, you know, in my mind, what we've built is the way to kind of fight that, you know, people can build their own communities and they can kind of self sort into these different spots. Um, and, you know, we can use the tools at our disposal to continue to iterate on and build stronger communities. And like that, that's really the way that we create decentralization. You know, to, uh, on a slightly different note here, um, a comment that was made on Twitter. Uh, I, I'm not sure I know the, name of the guy exactly you might know him but there's a comment made like yesterday today and the concern was okay like if you have um so it's like the difference in the android and iphone uh models so with google with android the hardware is not centralized because you have different companies that can make hardware for you know uh, android based phones right so the problem you have is that any update made by Google um, is hard to just like the, the user base of phones don't get updated quickly because you don't have a single push of updates similar to how Apple has their updates, right? So like the, the typical Apple uh, phone base or whatever you want to call it, I think like something like 85% of it of people's phones are updated um, at any given moment. Whereas it's not as straightforward to do that with um, Google Android based phones because you have both Android who has to make an update and then you also have an update that has to be made by um, 
like the, the individual phone manufacturer and things like that. Um, so the comment about Cosmos was made was, well, if you look at like Dragonberry or whatever, that was an update that, you know, uh, say, for example, Terra didn't make originally and now is making fixing it. And um, it's there's no way to push an update to everybody, um, which makes it possible for Cosmos based change to be in various forms of disarray regarding updates. I think another recent event with Binance with their Binance Smart Chain, um, they didn't have proper upgrades and therefore like uh, a hack type situation or, or whatever, not hack, but um, an exploit occurred. And uh, I don't know, like, what do you think about this problem, Jack, of, of keeping Cosmos chains in general, like cohesively updated somehow without becoming too centralized? Yeah, I mean, this is a really hard problem. When you give people agency when you give people sovereignty some people are going to choose not to update and like you know that this is kind of a fundamental issue that goes well beyond software um so you know if you look at the install base of android there there's still people running like android 3 and android 4 and uh you know the last time i i thought deeply about this was um Jill Gruner, who's from Slow Ventures, did went down to uh, Venezuela, I believe, and did a report on crypto adoption back in 2019, I believe, during that during that bear market. And uh, one of the biggest challenges they had in bringing people into crypto was supporting old versions of Android, funny enough. So uh, and, you know, Linux is kind of the same thing. If you look at the install base of Linux, there, there's a lot of older versions of Linux out there running. There's very few folks on the newer versions. Um, I think that, you know, it's better to look at this as a feature and not a bug. This is what happens when you give people sovereignty. And I think that the, the versions of software we have out now that are kind of the first versions of IBC we're likely to see those versions continue to be maintained and, and people continue to try to run them for, for a very long time. And what I think is good about that is that we've retained backwards, we, we've worked really hard to retain backwards compatibility, especially at the IBC protocol level. And uh, those chains will be able to communicate value with the broader IBC network kind of no matter what. As far as like, so, I don't think it's necessarily a goal to retain, to like try to do that. Um, now, I do spend a lot of time and effort, uh, you know, talking to chains about upgrades, trying to help them upgrade, um, educating people on new features to try to bring them up to the newest versions and, and all kinds of things like that. Um, that work is extremely important. And I think we as a community don't really invest enough in that work. Um, I also think that, you know, it is kind of the downside of decentralization is that you don't have as much of a cohesive experience. But I think that honestly, that that leaves a lot of opportunity open for businesses to paper over those sort of software differences and offer a cohesive experience to end users. And I think that that's extremely important and is likely to be a, a big theme over uh, the next couple of years with, with Cosmos and IBC more generally.
another question that was asked um like like today i think jose macedo of uh delphi digital i don't know if you've had a chance to meet jose before or maybe you met him at uh did you go to cosmoverse i don't know if you met him there i think Um, i did his podcast he does the empire pod uh yeah i think so he does something or another yeah yeah, Um, i've I've done his pod before We've, we've met a couple of times one question jose asked today was like so the consensus mechanism for tendermint is a little on the aging side or whatever there are newer consensus mechanisms that may be more supportive of either decentralization or just faster or whatever like what's like what's the buzz in terms of sort of like uh, i don't know updating tendermint itself um at some point like what's the plan there yeah so there's actually quite a bit of exciting work going on there sommelier is working on integrating the nawal mempool from uh the dm libra chain um into tendermint the say network folks are doing a lot to ring various performance improvements out of it the core they've got it running at around thirty thousand transactions a second um in their network with a few smaller uh, optimizations. There's uh, the core Tendermint team is also doing exciting things like expanding ABCI um, to allow applications to control the what gets included in blocks and a number of other things. This will sort of enshrine proposer builder separation and a number of other best practices. Um, so there's a lot of work happening right now but do you feel like do you feel like the work yeah. that those different uh, groups are doing ultimately translates into sort of um, like uh, I don't know exactly how this works, but let's say you like do, do any of these things ultimately mean that you could use those same technologies? I don't know if they're open source or not to like update existing cosmos chains if people wanted yeah. to do that. Totally. Mm. So it's like it's sufficiently modular enough that you could update pieces of the chain. Like I don't know how that works from just yeah, a purely. Yeah, that, that's that's exactly correct. You can update. So th- there's a few different boundaries um, that th- that matter. One is called ABCI, which is called the Application Blockchain Interface, and the application that we're talking about here is actually the the, the different chain code that runs. You can think of it as the sort of enshrined smart contracts that run on top of a given chain. Cosmos staking is is built this way. Cosmos governance is built this way. Um, so that's built on top of the ABCI interface. Underneath the ABCI interface is uh, Tendermint itself. But that interface just says, do this at the beginning of every block, do this every time we commit a transaction, and do this at the end of every block. Um, so it's a very simple interface, and you can implement that with different consensus algorithms. So you know, on each sides of this interface, you can either swap out the app or swap out the underlying consensus. Um, so it's, uh, you know, very flexible in that way. And it, there's a lot of discussion around modular blockchains. Cosmos has been building modular blockchains since 2015. Right. So like the, like, so what kind of universe do you have to have in order to, so let's say, uh, there's a DAP developer and they want to both deploy on say, I don't know, like Juno and, um, say network or something like that. Right. Like, is there 
a point that comes along where the chains are sufficiently similar enough where you could do something like that with relatively low development cost? Or is it like if one chain updates something and the other doesn't, now all your shit is broken and like nothing works right? Or Yeah, or, you know, I, I think that this is like, this is really a product question. When you're the product manager for a blockchain, you have to really understand who your users are. And as a blockchain, most of the time you're a platform and your users are other developers. And especially in these smart contracting cases, that's what we're talking about. Will you attract a lot of developers to your blockchain if you deploy a really old version of this virtual machine or one that's incompatible in ways that are likely to continue for long periods of time with other chains? Um, that's a lot harder work to bootstrap a developer community, to bootstrap a user community, um, and a number of other things. So there's some inherently kind of centralizing effects that push people to using similar versions of software. And there's some things that we can do as the core dev team to help encourage that. And, you know, frankly, a lot of my time is spent trying to align the different pieces of the stack together so that they form a coherent whole and to help users understand sort of like what pieces they can change without breaking key integrations and um, things like migrations. So, uh, you know, that is an ongoing challenge. Like this is one of the biggest challenges in the development path that we've chosen as Cosmos. And, you know, I think the Apple versus Android example is a great example. Um, you know, there, there's strengths to the Apple model and there are strengths to the Android model. We have definitely chosen the Android model. Mm. Yeah, especially when it comes to sort of like the control of deployments in a sense, right? Like like you said, look, in an Android phone, if you have Android phones across the world, only God knows how many different versions of the operating system are running today, probably all of them. Whereas on Apple, the difference would be because it centralized the ability to um, push out updates sort of like, you know, to the maximum number of active devices is much, much easier. And they're making it even easy, even easier because you almost barely have to touch it anymore. Just auto updates to a large extent. Yeah. So, like, so that's Android, a, that's like a, mm -hmm. Android went from like 0% of the global smartphone market when it launched and it's over, it's around 80% now. So yeah, um, it's, got, it's pretty big. In terms yeah. of market penetration, this sort of decentralized approach and giving users sovereignty is proven out in the market over and over again to win. It's just messy and it's a lot harder to invest in because there are often multiple very similar competing technologies that investors would want to back. And it's unclear which one of those is going to win out in the market. But what it does is it provides much better end user experiences in a repeatable enough fashion that uh, it, it ends up out out competing the sort of more centralized alternatives. And I think we've seen that dynamic over and over again. Um, yeah. And also yeah. just culturally, too, like if you look at um, like people that are on some sort of layer one, um, you'll notice that people have very, very um, different um, either political views or just views of how the finances of a chain should work like central more centralized leadership versus more decentralized leadership putting everything to a vote versus having almost like a republic where a few people recommend 
most of the updates to all the way to like a complete, completely private chain like Kajira is now, for example, where they produce what they want to produce. And if you want to use their chain, use it. Otherwise, don't. Right. Like, so I think the, the beauty of the sovereignty piece is that, like, if you look at like general uh, politics, like even something so simple, seemingly simple as freedom of speech, everyone's version of what that is, is very, very different. Like if you look at Elon's tweets right now, you know, about different ways to maybe reduce, like, I don't know, everything from bot traffic to um, like reducing scammers and who knows what, um, like there are these different things you can put in place, but, you know, it results in various layers of sort of like either censorship or otherwise. And some people prefer like a very moderated place, right? Like if they want their children to play in a, you know, sandbox, they want that to be very moderated, for example. Um, and other people want a completely unmoderated type of behavior, even for just something so simple as yeah. freedom of speech. So it's like, you know, it, it's almost like you're never going to get everyone to sort of like, um, you, it, on a singular platform, you're never going to get everyone to disagree. So like the ability to have multiple platforms where people can do different things might be the way to go. Um, but on the other hand, the flip side of that would be that wouldn't that ultimately long run lead to just like ultra tribal, you know, like chains or societies where everyone's just sort of wanting to kill each other because they're, they're, our chain is better than yours or our way is better than yours. There's no, there's no forced compromise. So then there's like no compromise at all. And you have the extreme proponents go to each their own little corners. Yeah. So I think that this is, I'm going to have to jump here. Um, just a second, but I, I think that this is kind of where the crux is. Uh, the crux of it is. And what the the thing that changes that is IBC. So, you know, these computing analogies are good, too, because, um, you know, how would you have the, the sort of crystal castle uh, operating system that that is the Apple iPhone? How does that interrelate with this much more fragmented and very sort of alive ecosystem that is Linux or Android? Um, how do those two mix? And the way that they mix is over standardized communication protocols. And that's what IBC provides. IBC provides a common language that all of these different political ideologies and communities and places can uh, share, that they can agree on, that allows them to work together, even though they may disagree about very fundamental things. And I think that this is why the Cosmos architecture has the social scalability needed in order to bring this technology and this sort of permissionless infrastructure to billions and billions of people in a way that these sort of centralized platforms, things like one chain to rule them all Ethereum or one chain to rule them all Solana will never be able to support the kind of uh, variety of opinions that are needed and you know ethereum essentially turning into the us kyc chain i think is a great example of this um yeah anyway all right guys i got i gotta jump yeah. but uh i'll jump no, back on great. another one of these yeah things great catch up, yeah all right yeah thanks for the contributions mm. uh hey z what's going on or who look at any comments about what jack's been covering it's pretty he always brings kind of good perspective to everything because he's been around Cosmos a long time and has worked on so many projects in the space. Um, definitely a strong resource. Like if there's anybody in like, say, for example, Luna Classic that 
you know, is confused about tokenomics or some other elements, like there's not too much info you want, won't find out of Jack as far as like advice and things. But, um, yeah, what's going on, brother? Uh, sorry, I missed most of the show, and I was trying to catch up there at the end. Um, if he's uh, that good, maybe we should put him in the team instead of some of the guys that are out there. It sounds like I was one of the AMAs the other day, and one of the guys just really sounded like he was just a part of the project and not one of like. I don't, I don't know that Jack is one of the type of people that's going to join some team because he's like <laughs> he's he's part of a variety of like major uh kind of adventures and like also he they run a validator and things like that on various cosmos chains and things um he's just been around a long time he's someone you know if there's some ideas that uh you want to bounce some ideas off of um as far as like pros and cons he's the type of person that would uh be able to sort of like shed some light on that within seconds as opposed to you know asking rank amateurs about like you know what is a good idea and what isn't so if you've been around long enough and you've seen enough of these sort of cosmos chains emerge, you know, like, and you understand the mechanics of how the whole thing works, then he can quickly tell you like, okay, no, that's probably a bad idea. It won't work. Um, or, or yes, that seems like a good idea and it will. So that's the kind of guy I think that Jack's good to just throw some ideas at and see what he thinks. Yeah. Um, just the other day I was, um, I was reading the white paper about how to start a validator node through all nodes. And it almost seemed easy, but I know it can't be easy. There is like got to be way more than just here, take my money and start me a yeah. node. All nodes and stuff like that is fine in the sense that like it is relative. These things are relatively easy. Um, they charge some fees for doing the actual work. And you basically are responsible for like essentially marketing, really, if you think about it. They're the ones doing the work, but you need people to delegate with you. Here's the problem with that. Well, all nodes is an interesting place. The thing is, like many people that are serious about delegating lots of money, like let's say, for example, I was going to throw like, I don't know, half million dollars at your validator. Um, anyone serious about it is going to start thinking more closely about like which validator they stake with. And does that validator support decentralization? Do they have their own bare metal? Do they have like a team that's going to be able to monitor the you know, uh, the system so that if a problem occurs that they can update quickly. And on top of that, Z, you, it's more, validating is more than that. Like if you look at what Jacob Gedikian with Notional DAO is doing, and they have a, he has a validator um, too. Like some of the things that the people do are also just checking for like smart contract errors or just like coding errors, right? So like if there's updates and this and that happening, you have to make sure that, um, you know, the chain is not hackable, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not like just starting a validator is just like fun and way to make money. Like that's like a core function of the blockchain. And big investors are going to want to invest with people who know what they're doing. Like, for example, um, some notable ones are like, I don't know, the people at Imperator are notable. Um, people at like, uh, well, Jack's thing, which is um, Strangelove, uh, labs or whatever is another one or um, notional DAO on Cosmos or um, who was, who are some other ones that are sort of notable. Um, you got that new classy crypto and um, yeah, well, uh, those are just like people that just start up a thing and they just happen to have a YouTube channel or whatever. So they're making some money, but those aren't any serious sort of like, like coder types, right? You need the shady coder types to really run these things. 
Otherwise, you're just waiting for a disaster to happen. While I was reading that that white paper, it sounded easy enough, right? And then you get down to like the warning area where it says there's three things that could happen. You get slashed, uh, unbonded, and then like super unbonded or something like that. And if any of those things happen, your validator node actually starts lo- making less money compared to all these other nodes. That's correct. And with all nodes, their level three program is like three thousand, four thousand, five thousand dollars a month. And but they add in sentry bots. Now the sentry bots are pretty much like DOS attack perfection or uh, protection, and um, it keeps you from getting slashed and all that. But you're still out a lot of money every month. And if you don't have a lot of people delegating with you, yeah, you could you could wind up owing and spending a lot more money than than you essentially thought yeah. you would. Those all nodes types of things they're going to exist. Like there's no way to keep those types of businesses from forming. And I think they are for people that like don't want to run a no run a validator and who are willing to give up some of the um, the power on the blockchain to these types of people uh, who don't necessarily do any core contributions to the particular blockchain, right? That you have to keep in mind, like a lot of validators have like really smart people who are sitting there contributing to the code base and doing updates and everything else, right? So yeah, validators aren't just like some sort of like way to make a buck. Like these are like, it's much better to have lots of validators on your chain that are serious uh, tech nerds who are like really doing this, not just for like uh, some kind of popularity contest or some revenue stream. But, yeah, because it goes from yeah. it goes from the miners to the validators who validate the transactions, and then to the blockchain to the public, right? Something like that. Yeah, and that's like the and these things are something the public doesn't understand much because you don't you don't watch the conversations of you don't watch the conversations of you know what validators talk about in the background as far as like technical things, right? And when you listen to them talk, you're like, holy shit, this is a lot of work. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be done, especially if they know what they're doing. Whereas if it's like just random people like that have a YouTube channel or like, like, you know, whatever, it's a different thing. So yeah, the people in the background should have some good technical savvy. Like for example, LunkDAO is a good example. Um, like Bruce is not a technical guy, um, nor are necessarily the people that delegate with LunkDAO. The, but the people in the background who, um, you know, work with them, like, uh, well, they're not docs, so I'm not going to say anything. Uh, but the point is, like, they have some technical prowess. You know, they understand what they're doing, and uh, they have a like a coding background and everything. So they're more likely to protect the chain from chaos, right? That's what you want to see. Um, yeah, because once so. you get enough under your delegation or whatnot, um, it gives your voting power on the blockchain a higher perspective. And if you don't, if you're just out there hitting yes and no on certain uh, proposals and you don't know what the heck is actually going on, you might end up just messing up the whole blockchain. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's that too. It's like the voting. Um, you're hoping that the the people voting on behalf of you are, yeah, are sane as well and that they're paying <laughs> attention. So there's work there too. So the more chains are validating on, the more shit you have to keep up with, right? As far as like different chains and what proposals are going on and all that stuff. So, and then some proposals are just stupid. Like they don't make any sense. And then some pretend, some proposals are just very contentious. Like for example, right now on Cosmos, um, there is a, there are two different 
competing sort of ideas. One is Atom 2.0, which is like the whole thing. And then there's another uh, with some of the people like Atom 1. Uh, Jay Kwan has submitted the Atom 1 proposal, and that's a different thing. So the Atom 1 and Atom 2 people that, that are proposing entirely different things um, have different coalitions of people. It's a different, it's a different um, vision for the cosmos at large. And whichever one of those is chosen will truly affect the future of every cosmos chain like uh, completely, right? So like anyone who's doing anything on, in the cosmos on any chain, whether it's a Luna, Luna Classic, whatever, like you should own Adam and you should be voting on those proposals. And the reason you should be doing that is because then you know what the fuck's going on. Because otherwise you have no idea like where the total community is taking these chains because the upgrades and the software details in those chains, right? You can have a running chain, but if you want it to be like in the background to have you know, technological development happening, the people doing it are not usually the individual owners of chains. Uh, they're not the only ones, but like the Tendermint consensus mechanism, like uh, Jack mentioned earlier, as well as like the IBC communication layer is all, none of that's being built by like individual chains. That's being built by like Interchain Foundation and other groups who are uh, putting that stuff together. So it's nice to be able to keep up with that if you're really you know, going to be a crypto nerd or whatever. Um, these are things that are um, sort of important happening in the background and represent the future. Because if you're going to be like investing any serious amount of money into any sort of Cosmos chain, um, uh, I would say like if you have something that you think is going to be like a five-year or more investment or maybe you're um, you know, really getting into the technicals of these things, uh, paying attention to what's happening on the Cosmos Hub is really wise. And actually, that was helpful for me because I happen to have a lot of um, I happen to have a lot of uh, Luna before it you know crashed and everything. And and I was able to actually get out with a reasonable amount of money. But what happened was like I was also had a chunk involved with Cosmos, and I had a chunk of my money in Adam and stuff. So actually, I did pretty well um, because. Like I was a little bit diversified, but I also kind of understood like some of the maybe technical limitations of what uh, Terra did to the blockchain, uh, like what's currently in a classic. Um, and and I, now I know like what kind of things are missing in terms of some of the upgrades and stuff that have to happen. But it's only by participating with like both groups, like you get to know the people that um like you know, you, you you like your network of people that you know improves when you when you uh, get involved with uh, like the core development teams of Cosmos and stuff like that a little bit. And oh, I, I, and I sort of superficially understand this shit myself, honestly. So like, if 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 uh, like, and I'm I'm getting a little bit into the technical details, but man, there's definitely way people way more technical than I am. Oh man, I've sat into so many AMAs in the last month that I've actually joined Twitter. It's ridiculous. Even the uh, the all nodes um, research I was doing, it was because of Mister Classy down there and him and his little AMA the other day. Is uh, it was way informational, man. It was just got me into this whole like three hour thing where I was just my girl's like, "Are you gonna come eat dinner?" I was like, "I'll be there in a minute." And I'm over here nerding out. And what you were saying a minute ago that. Um, I think having a lot of validators on a certain blockchain or all the blockchains uh, working is a huge improvement. I saw some of the other blockchains. I wish I could name one off. I don't have my computer next to me, but one of them only had two validators on it. And I was like, well, that's a super inside job controlled 
blockchain right there. I'm not. And that's fine. There's there's actually a role for centralized systems as well. Um, not every type of system needs a tremendous amount of decentralization um, or has to start particularly very decentralized as well. So, yeah, there's uh, there's lots of different. Just think of each blockchain as like a computer. Uh, and there's, diff- there's just different types of computers and uh, each of them benefits from different levels of uh, decentralization and uh, you know resistance to things like um, certain types of attacks and whatever, right? So, um, yeah, each, each chain has its own flaws, I would say, as well. Um, and uh, only if you hang around a while, you'll understand the flaws of the different ones. <laughs> so every chain has some, some forms of flaws that... Um, you know, some sacrifices that are made to make it whatever it is. But yeah, Ten, did you have a comment? Hey, Sefi, how's it going? Yeah, yeah I have a question. Um, so in regards to liquid staking, you know, for Adam, it's also available and some other some other IBC chains. But um, the question is basically um, about the voting power, right? I mean, as soon as you go liquid staking, um, you give away your voting power on some um on the protocol changes right is yeah. there any way to work around on that so yes there there is um but it hasn't been fully fleshed out in most instances like so right now you have um stride blockchain you have quicksilver these are offering liquid staking possibilities which are pretty interesting uh but you're right like most of these things don't have a way to keep the voting power in your hands as a as a holder of a liquid stake token, because you can use your liquid stake token from almost anything. You can be an LP provider in a DEX or whatever the hell. So yeah, it's hard to keep track of all that. There was a protocol called Prism Protocol on Terra, which actually um, like like Jimmy was part of, and you know, I don't know if some of you guys know anybody, um, Hyperion and some other people. And um, they had a concept where you separated Luna into P Luna and Y Luna, which was like the yield bearing version. And then there's like the P Luna, which was like the, I guess the, the principal token or the voting shares are on that. And that um, was sort of an attempt to split these two things so that you get the benefits of a liquid stake token and you have a preservation of like maybe the voting power and you can split those two things into two separate things. And you so can either one, keep both parts. The one like, traded you know, for the value and the other one traded for the voting power. kind of. Sort of, yeah, exactly. Yes. Sefi, do That's you know if Prism Protocol is coming back to Luna Classic? Because they yeah. did like a, like a tweet, right? A couple of months ago. I don't know, yeah. one month ago. They said like, uh, we're thinking about coming back to Luna Classic. I believe they are. Have, I, do, I can, I can ask Hyperion again. Because like, I, I, I bought a lot of uh, Prism tokens. <laughs> That's funny. No, I... I uh, I uh, I can ask Hyperion. He'll um, like Jimmy's around, and uh, Jimmy doesn't I don't think work for them anymore. But like I think Hyperion is still with them, and uh, yeah, I can ask and find out. I'll, I'll uh, yeah, that would be nice. Some, Let's get yeah, some find alpha. out what's you get some alpha in there. Yeah, but um, hey, Coach, you back? Hey, friends. Yeah, I'm here. I'm a little <laughs> bit sleepy, but I'm here. Okay. I, I left for a bit when Jack was here because I was scared of him being so professional and stuff and whatever he's doing with his web three whatever thing but i'm here to just to spend time with my friends yeah it's too <laughs> too much professionalism with well Jack. thing is with guys like that they just never snap out of it they're always in professional mode you know let me tell you about the blockchain let me uh let me tell you about managing software teams i just 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 stop just just let's tell stories or something you know 
just just for once. Yeah, but you you go like it's okay to go into nerd mode when you have the nerd around, right? Like, yeah, but like, I don't know, but it's <laughs> nice when it's nice when somebody can vary it a little bit. Yo, Bruce, I was wondering, do you have a Luna Punk yet? No, nobody offered me one. I've been I've been looking around, but nobody. I thought I could, like I thought I could, the uh, I could I could offer you one. I thought the Luna Punks marketing and strategy manager of Luna Punks NFT would would offer me one as a key partner, but it turns out that they haven't. Oh, uh, I have a good connection to the marketing strategy. <laughs> you know, manager, like I've, maybe you know, maybe I can sort something out. I'll I'll have a deep talk with him tonight, and then yeah. <laughs> I know that women have been given them for free, and yet I have been abandoned. I mean, you have you have a profile picture with long hair, but it's 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 not really convinc convincing, you know. So, um, like my the parts of my body are not uh, getting erected by um, your profile picture. So, yeah. well, you can give it to the Lunkdale account. and then they can maybe say, "Wow, this is an NFT project building on Lunk." We support it, da da da. Nice. But were, were were you aware of Luna Punks before DPEG? Um, before the DPEG, I don't think so. I was aware of Galactic Punks and Skeleton Punks and a few other things. So you were, kinda, you, you were kind of mainstream. But yeah, I didn't. I I got a few Galactic Punks. I got a few various things. I got some Toads. <laughs> what are those like little Toads called, Sefi? I can't remember what they're called. I got a load of those Toads. I got given them by by girls and stuff. They were like, "Here's a toad." I was like, "Thank you." Um, okay, space Bruce. toads, I think. Yeah, Bruce, send me your terror address. I'll I'll, I'll look for a nice uh, punk that resembles you somehow. From what I think, <laughs> that resembles you. Now, what what characteristics are you looking for? What do you? Where do you see yourself? I leave. I like to just leave things up to the man to decide. You know what I mean? I like to be taken care of, and for for a guy to decide whatever's best. I see, I see you like uh, you're you're in favor of smoking, so a cigarette ab attribute would be would be okay, I guess. Yeah, I don't know where this um, where this image came from. I think somebody put in like Coach Bruce Wrangler into, into Mid Journey or something, and this came out because I got a load of them sent to me on Telegram, and this was one of them. And then like I just tried it on. There was another one before that was like some American redneck guy with a fat belly that was. And meant to be Coach Bruce Wrangler as well. Did you see that one, Sefi? That was quite funny. It was like this um, looked like Daniel Day Lewis in that 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 movie where he's um, like overseeing mining or or oil geez, oil drilling or something like that. Do you remember that film? He got an Oscar for it, I think. Oh my God! Uh, no, I didn't keep track of that. <laughs> There's a it's a film where at the end he goes into some bowling alley and beats someone up, and he's with his son throughout the movie, and he's like just this. Um, kind of volatile oil. Uh, one of you probably remembers the movie, but yeah, like it looked like that guy though. <laughs> it's quite funny. <laughs> so um, yeah, so Vishep, like, how's the uh, like how's the NFT game on Luna Classic going? Is it you? Is it things getting pretty successful? Like, you know, are floor, floor prices doing pretty good and going up? Or like, what's what's your pulse finger on the pulse of the market over there? So um, maybe I can talk a little bit about about Luna Punks. I mean, uh, as as you might aware, Sefi, uh, we host a marketplace and a launchpad for other NFT projects. And then always, when a when a punk or our NFT 
um, gets traded, we take a fee. That all goes to an now. Is this the is this the only marketplace for Linux Classic now, or is there? That's a good question. More than one. I'm, I'm not. I'm just on on our marketplace. Obviously, I'm not really. That's a good hint. Maybe I should do more competitive uh, research. Um, but yeah, I think they all moved to V2, or they're in the process of moving, right? Yeah, so, some of them moved yeah. in like Talos and nowhere. I mean, mm -hmm. I think Random Earth still supports uh, V1, but it's not really. Um, they're not doing any marketing or. They're slow on the on fixes and they, well, I, that I character that runs random traffic. earth is sort of. There's I think this traffic, like, I think. Yeah, I think the character that runs random earth is sort of like unreliable. He like disappears and like, you know, you you, you never hear from him for extended periods of time. And I mean, it, it took them so long uh, to fix. I mean, same goes with uh, Astroport, for example, right? It took them super long to fix um, the bugs that happened after the 1.2 text burn when that got implemented. I mean, we also had some issues uh, with Luna Punks, but uh, we fixed them in two days or three days, even before Binance, we fixed them. So uh, you would think that Binance would have like top-notch developers from all over the world uh, that could fix things more easily than like a two-team developer. Uh, yeah, project. Oh my God, Binance <laughs> yeah. is—they have yeah, their iron funny. so many fires. Like, yeah, true. KuCoin true. and Binance, yeah. and like I've talked to these different exchanges from time to time, and Jesus Christ, like they'll have like you know they'll like add your thing to their list to get done yeah, at some true. point in the future, right? They have yeah. so many things to do. True, I agree. But anyway, yeah, but yeah, but so, yeah, yeah, good point, yeah. Uh, maybe we need we need to make more research about which platforms are actually uh, committed. I think none of them are committed to stay on V V one, right? Classic. They're all kind of like moved away, and I think at some point they will come back, probably. But uh, that's the question, right? Do you want to put your money into like a project like ours that? That sticked around before, during, and after. But, but are you guys like, are you guys pushing to build much hands. bigger? Are you guys pushing to build um, like a like a, a much bigger marketplace, or like are you sort of settled yeah, in sure. where you are now? No, for sure. We we have a lot of requests at the moment, and then you kind of have to filter the requests, right? Because there's people that just think about launching an NFT project, but no, but don't have any technical experience at all, and then. That's kind of like a hustle. So um, we, we are looking for developers that know how to code and that can manage their NFT project um, technical-wise and marketing-wise because we're, we're not going to do any marketing for I wonder if some of these other platforms, projects. though, like was uh, was Nowhere, not Nowhere, um, was like Random, Random Earth or any of these other things no. open source where you can just like you know, yeah, that's, copy that's, paste that's, that's No, that's our, that's our goal. So we want to become a decentralized um, launchpad, so to speak. That you. So our goal is that you can launch your NFT collection without us interfering much. You know, um, that's that's the goal. On the other hand, so we have permissionless. A I mean, a yeah. permission a permissionless. Yeah. Then, yeah, yes, true. But then my concern with that is that um, what what about a malicious project that is like yeah. Exactly. Like what do you do so about that, the child that, porn and shit exactly. that gets on there? Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> stuff That's a like big that. problem. Yeah. Maybe stuff like that. That well, that would be, I mean, 
the worst case scenario, but also like just a rug pull or some stuff like that. People that say that they're building a game and that they're selling NFTs or what, and then they're not developing any anything and just selling selling the hype, so to speak. That's also I, an, I think, an issue. I think it's fine <laughs> though. Like the rug pull thing in NFTs, I think is hilarious. Like. I think the reality is is that most of these kinds of things are vaporware, and like if people are gullible enough to buy them, like they almost deserve to be rug pulled. I don't think there's a way to make that safe, like even in docs teams and stuff. I don't think it's a way. So I think that I'm not so worried about. Like people should just assume they're buying, you know, a JPEG or a music piece or some other shit, and like call it a day, and don't don't get too wrapped up in the hype of like future earnings and. Like buying like security NFTs and all that shit. I don't think that's yeah, a but, good idea. But, but with Luna Punks, for example, I mean, it's it's like uh, holding a share, right, of of a company. Um, so by holding a Luna Punk, you hold a, a small percentage of all future uh, fees that are generated on on. But on the... at the same time, remember that's a trusted thing. Like nobody can know for sure that nothing bad will happen to your team, and you know, like something you know, like becomes incompatible. And like, let's say all of you are dead for some reason, I'm just like posting the worst case scenario. People shouldn't uh, buy security. No worries, we, we, didn't, we didn't, we didn't take the vaccine, Siffy. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> it's all good. I, but, I checked with like, as well. <laughs> let's, let's say, uh, let's say you had, uh, you know, something bad happened and you, you know, people you, you expected mean, you mean certain the, earnings, you mean right? The sudden, sudden old, uh, sudden adult death syndrome or something like that it's, it's, it's or no like let's say like the terra crash for example right like you know, yeah, so there, yeah, there's but, many reasons but we, why. we already we already um kind of proved uh with our history that we sticked around even though yeah, we were, i'm not we were saying that your particular loss. project is going to be bad i'm just saying like for the yeah, yeah, outsider who's buying True. the project right yeah. They don't know you from anybody else. And so the reality is that there there's no way to fully vet um some sort of unless I, guess, I mean even even if you have a multi sig, I guess you, you're not you yeah, never you never, never fully, fully know. Yeah, exactly. So True. I think that's not when when it comes to like OpenSea and, and you know Magic Eden and these things, like I don't think those types of projects and worried about worries about rug pulls. I think the market will sort of sort that part out. I'm not worried about that. I think the per the censorship part comes in where, like, you know, something gets posted that 99% of the market people on the marketplace agree that holy shit, like, you know, people aren't going to show up at our marketplaces if it's full of like, you know, I don't know, like spam garbage or something like that, right? That's what ends up happening when you don't have any sort of consequences or anything like that, or or maybe have like sufficient. I don't know listing fees or the ability to remove something if it's just simply non you know garbage like you know if it's straight smut or something you know it ruins the experience for everybody else and then your customers are not going to buy like luna punks or whatever because they are like they're, they're sickened by your marketplace or something like that right those kinds of problems what i'm talking about but yeah, I see anyway you. i see yeah but but you're right so um i mean we currently have ippy holds all the keys I mean, he's the main developer. He proved himself uh, before, during, and after the DPEG that he even ran this project at a loss, uh, his personal loss. And there was no money coming in at all, but he still uh, kept everything going. Um, that's, that makes him um, very yeah, trustful. Yeah, it makes him on, have on a credible other, history. On the other hand, like, yeah, exactly. But on the other hand, I am planning that 
at a certain stage let's let's assume okay luna classic does go through through the roof in one or two years and we do go to one cent or 10 cents whatever um at that point our treasury will grow to a substantial amount of dollar value so and i don't know hippie personally i don't know um his financial situation i i, I know he's he's a well-paid developer and stuff like that so i'm not that worried about it and from all my co personal calls with him i can uh i am in the position to like put all my lunar classic holdings into his hands but like you have to be from a business perspective you always have to uh, ensure the worst case so to speak and um that's why i'm gonna fly to singapore next next year and gonna meet him in person and then i'm gonna um i'm gonna talk to him about the multi-signature uh wallet thing yeah like what happens if and he drops dead from exactly 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 <laughs> then exactly. what that's that's also what what i asked him already he he said he has that part covered by uh giving his family members his keys but on the other hand i do i know if his family members know uh shit about coding and stuff so exactly right yeah so yeah but but that's stuff that needs to be uh needs to be addressed and i'm i'm a fully aware of that and i'm already planning on doing that it's just about having the right time and the right place to um to announce or to speak out about these kind of things right so <clears throat> yeah uh next year summer probably is is, is going to be when and then my plan is to have like a three signature multi-wallet um with an external attorney and then you need two signatures for him to work on on stuff on the code right so uh i me me and him he can we can always sign stuff without the the attorney getting involved um to work on the code and then but it needs to be a, an attorney that either me know him uh know right so yeah or you can just go point. and i don't know if you've tried like the dow dow tools dow dow version two on juno is going to have some pretty nice tools wait I wait i need i need to write that down wait yeah dao dao one second um, i'm not i'm not ready yet Mm-hmm. Okay. Dao, so e -A -O. Dao Dao. Dao Dao. And they're creating sort of like a like Is it a in simple, Cosmos or what? Yeah, it's in Cosmos. It's on Juno. And Cosmos, what they're doing Juno. is they're creating the ability to um like create governance structures and things um on Juno. Um some of the things that they're producing are things like the ability to manage votes, treasuries, and other things. Um, I'm not sure how relevant it is right now in terms of uh, Luna Classic. Luna Classic, because yeah. it's, the chain is not fully upgraded yet. But once it is, there may be some nice ways to use that tool set for your purposes. So I like it. Something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Thanks for the advice. Because like this is a problem that every DAO and every project has, right? So people are working on ways to solve this, so you don't have to have like I don't know a lawyer or some shit in the middle of it. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I think uh, uh, alien punks are. Yeah, but but we maybe, are you aware, are you aware mm -hmm. that we uh, just launched our validator node as well? So oh, didn't our, know that. Our, our idea was because um, we have that treasury which is always growing, right? And we want we don't want to put that 
money which is uh, owned by the community so to speak by each punk holder into the hands of a validator note that we can 100% ensure that the security levels are um, on the level that we want want them to be at so um, yeah so we yeah so I convinced Hippie that we need to have a validator note um, Similar to Galactic Punks, I think they also have their own validator node. And then also we need the web sockets for market features. So we need real-time data from the blockchain uh, for our features on, on the website. And then also we want to have, we want to represent um, all the NFT projects, right? That are launching on our launchpad somehow um, in the sense that we have a say as an NFT community where the blockchain is going. So all these reasons um, made us, yeah, start this validator note, and yeah, I can only promote it um, right now. Yeah. Say, please, uh, please uh, delegate to us. We have a fixed commission of zero point six nine because sixty nine is a wonderful number, um, and. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always going to stay at zero point six nine uh, commission. Okay. So we will operate at a loss, but we will pay that loss with our marketplace uh, fees, so to speak. That's the plan. Mm. So um, okay. so it's a win-win, so to speak, for people who hold punks. They can stake with us, earn an extra amount of uh, staking rewards, and still do good for the project, and have um, their their say in uh, future proposals of the blockchain. Cool. Uh, Alien Punks, I think, had a comment or something, too. Go ahead. Or Bruce number two or whatever. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I hold the 6969 uh, Luna Punk. Maybe I'll give that to you one day for the, the note. Uh, but also, oh, that, that would be an awesome giveaway. To be honest, <laughs> uh, yeah, and the score is pretty high. I remint it to pretty high too. Um, but beside that, you know, I love to, uh, of course, uh, to support you guys, and you know that I love the punks, and it's very nice of you uh, to put the commission at sixty nine, but for the uh, long, the long term of uh, of the project, uh, and uh, and also all of us holding the punks, we don't mind you increasing that commission. To be just like everybody else, you know, because I was thinking about selling my restaurant and and doing a validator notes, but uh, I heard uh, commissions going up like three thousand a month or something like that. So so my wife said, no, I I can't sell my restaurant and and do that. No, uh, don't, don't, don't sell be, your don't sell your restaurant, Bruce. Yeah, I'll be broke being a whole. Is, exactly, don't don't do that. Yeah, so so can so can you think about it? I know I know you. We we, you mean, we love you the mean, project you mean, and we love you, mean, you guys anyways. We're gonna stick with you no matter what. My, you, you mean know, increasing? I, yeah, I know. You mean increasing uh, the commission or what? Yes, increasing the commission. No. That, that way no, you we, guys can make more money and stabilize having that money on a side. We, we so don't want to. We, we don't want to make the, our main part. We don't want to make money with that validator note. We wanna. So the main reasons why we did that validator note is to have a say. Um, in future proposals so have the most possible voting power uh, to represent our nft community in the best possible way so that was the first 
argument and the second argument is to get the web sockets we would have done like a a full node anyways it would have just paid that money and that money would have been gone you know so and then on top of that we we offer our um community our luna punks holders like a nice and safe way to, to stake their coins because we are staking our treasury in that node as well right so we we make sure that that this uh node is is being done in the most possible most safest way and we we first and and i recommended um hippie who is our main developer to to go let's go over all nodes this is nice and easy right uh we can just set it up in the most easy fastest way and then he was uh disagreeing with me actually he said like let's do it the first Three months and then we look for a data center somewhere where we have um, physical access because that way you don't need to have your keys so to speak flowing around in the internet which makes it an which would make it an additional uh, risk layer so to speak yeah so, yeah so now now we we have our node is on a Singapore professional data center uh, where Hippie has physical manual access to to that data center. So that makes us even safer than all nodes, validator nodes. Mm. I think machinery <coughs> machinery uh, has been up here a bit. Do you have a comment, man? I don't know if he's just listening or hanging out or what. Um, or Z had a hand up earlier and make sure I get to everybody. I'm assuming you can hear me. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm actually just left my Wi-Fi and everything went quiet for a second. Um, I really wanted to uh, shout out uh, Luna Punks. Man, cool project, guys. I hope everything goes really good for you guys. Now, I don't want to argue the fact about centralized, decentralized, because there's great aspects on both sides of it. But for anybody that's creating some nfts definitely hit up all of the members up here that are doing projects but point you in the right direction earlier today um i got a hold of crypto.com a centralized platform and the only reason i did that is because i found out they were promoting cypress hill the band and I wanted to put some of my NFTs, which I haven't created, haven't even done anything like that, just playing around. But if I ever create a project, I was wanting to see if I could put it on their platform and have them promote it for me. Well, if you go to my profile, they sent me the information that you'll need to get become a, cre a curated creator through crypto.com and they'll list your projects. And if it's good enough, I'm sure they'll give you a free promotion just like they did Cypress Hill. It's uh, yeah, it kind of depends though. They're, they're likely to promote you if you're like, if it's something in it for them, like the Cypress Hill fan base is going to show up or something oh, like that. They're, so they're definitely big time and they are looking for money in it, of course. So, yeah, in, in other words, us randoms that create an NFT project aren't necessarily going to get a promotional hit from crypto.com or whatever is my point. True, true, true. But yeah, very true. But I just anyway I um, a little bit ago. I thought I'd share that with you guys. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Ag Agbuagu Kingsley, or how do you say your name? Uh, any comments, questions? Bruce is here. Okay, yeah. So if you have like lunked out questions or need to interrogate him, 
Hey, or maybe name. rake him over the coals a few times. Uh, hey, you're free. What are you, my secretary? Okay, okay yeah. Uh, good evening, everybody. <laughs> yeah, can I go on? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, such a cool project. I'm so uh, impressed with the project. Well, I just want to ask uh, a little question. You see, uh, when Maxi did uh, a test run on on uh, bond uh, uh, 1.5% uh, bond task, uh, that period, uh, the the Lunar Classic actually, actually uh, skyrocketed, you know. So I'm surprised why uh, since finance started uh, burning <coughs> Lunar Classic, uh, we've never had, we've never experienced any uh, uh, appreciation on the price. It kept no, on it going down. Yeah, let me clarify that just real quickly. Uh, tokenomics don't have any effect on price um, that doesn't take like three, four, five years. It's only the meme effect of burning where people start talking about the whole idea and then the price pumps. But there's n almost no effect on the media price when it comes to anything related to burns, inflation, or anything else. So tokenomics has like almost no effect at all on that kind of thing short term. Is it okay? So like, yeah, there's there's no predictable amount of price appreciation or anything like that related to burns you should be aware of. Like, uh, yeah, that's not even a thing at all. So yeah, the whole point of the burn mechanism idea was like to have a big meme and to have a big pump from that. That was the most obvious reason is to sort of bring in the sort of like meme idea. But um, yeah, you like, that's a very long-term thing. Machinery, uh, any comments? Yeah, hi. Can you hear me? Yes, you're all right. Go ahead. Yeah, great. Um, so I, I was actually um, looking what what is really going um, what's going on with uh, with the Dogecoin and just um, just Elon Musk buying Twitter and then skyrocketing and then the second day he's making a tweet with a bird and a dog. And then it's even skyrocketing more, and this, uh, and this just let me, um, me just to um, to check how the really the token world and uh, crypto is still now is not really fair. So, in my opinion, um, the the lunk the lunk price is very fair. I mean, people are working on it; they are making a very good progress in the background. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and there you find some thought on the Twitter, but I mean, there are really normal people just without any big funding trying to put their efforts. I I mean, Lung Dao is trying to put all his income or earnings in burning. And the price is very fair because until now, Lung is just like a factory. Everyone is putting a brick to build it, right? But then another meme coin, just a multi-billionaire or maybe the richest guy or one of the top richest guys on earth just buying it or putting a twitter or tweet around it and then it's really going up and this really took me to the idea why the just in my opinion why it's not really fair the crypto i'm happy so, with everyone making profit now the, the the idea is number like you just have to have someone really popular uh like supporting whatever blockchain that there is like like so I don't see Elon Musk talking about Dogecoin as a bad thing. I think the question you have to ask yourself is, how do you get people in general talking about your chain? 
Because if nobody knows about your chain, it doesn't matter what you build. It just stays there and does nothing, right? It'd be like if I invented, um, I don't know, like a, like a, some kind of fancy new smartphone, but like I'm the only one that knows about it and yeah, don't but, have any way but, to talk about it, right? Yeah, but the, the smartphone is, has a utility, but what is the utility for the Dogecoin, right? Dogecoin, you can transfer value um, and you can store value theoretically um, if you want to in it. Um, it doesn't have any less or more utility than, say, for example, Binance, you know, I'm sorry, uh, like uh, uh, Bitcoin Cash or um, any of the other like forked Bitcoin chains. There's nothing mm -hmm. particular about it. That'd be like saying like, what utility does Luna Classic have compared to Juno or Terra V2 or Ethereum or any number of other like utility chains? Because you could have an infinite number of utility utility chains and also nobody knows about you as well, right? Like, so once something becomes commoditized, meaning like you have so many versions of it that nobody knows who you are, then it's the job of the community to actually spread that information, right? Like to spread like the news. So if you build cool shit, then someone's got to make sure that other people know about that cool shit, whether it's YouTube channels or whatever this, right? So everyone has their role in the whole thing. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of agree on what you have been saying. I'm, I'm just, just maybe my point to make it clear. I was commenting on the fact that um, from my point of view, the current price of Loom is very fair, right? So you, it's not it, the the for me. I mean, fair is also a relative thing, right? So it's it cannot just be one thing that's said fair for mm, each one. Has I, I don't know that it's necessary. Like to be to be completely like trans uh, like clear here. Like I don't know that the price is necessarily fair. Um, there's a lot of chains that are uh, cheaper in market cap, so. It is worth what it's worth, partly because of like the efforts of Lunk Dao and other people who basically just like called a lot of attention to the chain, right? Like posting the shit out of Twitter and holding Twitter spaces and having, um, you know, having uh, like, yeah, like sort of, you know, pushing uh, people in the cosmos to help and, you know, like, you know, arguing with Binance to reestablish yeah. things and all that. So there's a lot of... Um, uh, so the value of the chain, whatever it's worth, was all of that put together. And, um, you know, whether or not it stays that way or not from a purely utility standpoint, if you try to judge Luna Classic on utility, I think that's a mistake, guys. Like, there are a lot yeah, of chains that are it's cheaper almost, in value. It's almost to zero, right? So because yeah. we don't have utility, but we are building. No, no, it has utility. utility. But what I'm saying is I think you're misunderstanding, like, there is not a specific utility on Luna Classic that is not present elsewhere in many, many, many other chains. So the thing is, if you try to base it just on utility, I think that's an error. I think you should, like, you should memify the thing. You should have fun with the thing. You should spread the news. Uh, you need to have that X factor. Otherwise, like, why? Like, let, let, take, for example, the car industry, right? You have so many different brands of cars, so many different models. Uh, they have utility. You can drive around in them. Maybe one of them is faster than the other, whatever, right? But some of them have a lot more resale value and maybe a lot more um, attention than others for like whether it's marketing, whether it's sexiness, whatever. At the end of the day, when like if you try to sell a car on utility today, like you're not going to sell a luxury brand purely on utility. Like that's why like so many like cars have like 
like race car teams and all that shit, right? Like Mercedes and Ferrari and whatever. They're trying to bring a sexiness to the brand. Um, and it's all brand and marketing at that point. Because how many people buy a Ferrari and they're buying it because they're racing to work every day? No, like they're, they're not, they're just buying it as a, as a, you know, like a symbol in many ways. And the same thing is true of like blockchains and things. If you can create an ethos and a mythology around it, you're much more likely to have the price go up than if you fuck around talking about utility. That's a horrific mistake. Like the only people doing this right, like in my view, like so far have been the lunked out people. And like Dogecoin and Shiba should be a lesson to everybody, right? Like they're like modest to nominal whatever utility, if anything at all, like maybe Shiba's building something. But the point is like, that's not what a lot of people sort of like come in for. They come in for the fun and they come in for the sexiness or whatever it is. And if you can also build like utility and stuff like that, that's cool. But like, if like, what's the difference between like a thousand different types of screwdriver? Like at the end of the day, the utility of a screwdriver, like, are you going to buy a thousand dollar screwdriver? No. Right. So utility actually creates a ceiling price for chains in some ways, because then you can compare with other chains that have similar utility. I think you have to get that X factor, like that brand value. And um, that's a big big element of this whole thing you must develop a brand value i think the nft folks understand this like they're trying to build sort of like a um like a, a brand value based in the art based in the culture or whatever the hell it is and um like you that should be the thinking of the general blockchain as well in, in my opinion but, 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 but let me but let me okay let let's take another example if i may um let's talk about the watch right that's our watch, right so until very close, I mean, we had one utility for the arm mode, right? You get the arm and you get to, sorry, the rest watch. So you, you put the watch in the rest and you, you get to figure what's the time, right? So it's a single, it's a single freaking utility. It doesn't have much to do. But then you had like thousands of thousands of watch makers with made and everything. And then you get this, you get to see the difference in the price. So, and then until, the smartwatch was introduced, and this was a really game changer, right? It is still a watch. It's called watch, but it can have many other utilities. It can save your life, right? And then combine this with a company like Apple, and the, how big is it, and how big marketing is it? And then they started monetizing that this watch can save your life, and then and and, and and you start in a few years, you start seeing everyone. Um, ditching those Swiss very expensive watches, and everyone has an eye watch in his hand. So, yeah, depends my point what your goal is like if your goal is to make the um, sort of like value go up, then I think Rolex has done a better job than Apple so far. On the other hand, if the goal is to have um, you know, like high utility and a lot of market penetration, obviously. Um, the Apple Watch folks have done a tremendous job as well. So, yeah, what what are you trying to monetize exactly um, is the trick yeah. there. But, you know, like, yeah. I, yeah. I, think yeah. I, I, I think we agree on the concept, but there's maybe some differences on how you apply it, right? So, yeah, my point is like good. having, I don't know if you've played with very many like Cosmos chains. Have you played with uh, like how many um, different? So I, I had some, I had some different, let's say coins maybe i played a little bit of the money during the last few months on the osmos um exchange dx and then maybe i had atom or i had osmo or i had different one just to check what are the current uh crypto but not much more than that just maybe a little really a little bit experience with 
going through the different coins. Yeah, well, the reason I'm asking is only because, like, if you go to enough places, you'll realize, wait a minute, all the, like, DeFi stuff is the same on every chain. It's the same on Ethereum. It's the same on this, that. So eventually, you just have, like, you, you have no way of differentiating one project from the other. And there's millions and millions of dApps that nobody knows about. And if you look, like, right now in the bear market, many, many, many dApps have very little traffic, right? Like, almost nobody's using them. It's like, okay, where did everybody go? Um, so, yeah, I think the issue is, like, making a name for yourself. I think what LunkDAO brought to Luna Classic in some ways was kind of a like a fun uh, element to it. And I think uh, like the the hope was that the community would sort of like embrace that and just sort of run with it and just go meme crazy. What I haven't seen is that happen, which really concerns me a lot. I'm like, like it's quite funny like really. Everyone should be making people should be making fucked up funny memes and like spreading the word. Like like the Dogecoin people, I know that like it's literally a meme coin, whatever, but like there is no reason not to use any of those tactics for any layer one. And uh, getting too serious about it is like, it's fine. There's developers who are going to do serious shit. That's all good too. But um, there's no reason to like forego the fun. Mm. Yeah. 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 So maybe, maybe if um, I say my opinion, so I think Lung Dao is really smart guy. So yeah. So I think, it, I think it, it, uh, you, you had really, I mean, you had really such bravery that you had a plan to sacrifice your income and earnings and to play this whole scheme of um, this trying to trying to prove that you are here for the network and trying to put a lot of memes, joining all the spaces and having this kind of like um, this kind of like uh, sarcastic, um, um, smart uh, ideas and discussions, and I think that. Um, it really uh, brought for I mean it really brought for you now the, the 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 image the good image that you that you you deserve it I mean you earn it. However, I mean it's still still however I think that um the the the, the thing is that maybe if someone is joining Lung as a beginner or a newbie and hearing maybe Lung Dao speaking in one of their maze, will still maybe okay maybe well he will uh, show a little bit of um, question marks right. He's not understanding why he's speaking like that and why he's saying all of this. And he should be a, like a public figure in the Loom world, right? So I think this is maybe my opinion. So uh, for newbies who are just joining new, maybe he, they wouldn't understand. They need a couple of AMAs and a couple of tweeters to eat and to understand and to get on the same level. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's different ways to look at it, I suppose. There's people that do those things too, which is fine. Like people can sit and talk basics 24 seven. Like I know many of us like do that sort of thing uh, from time to time, but like, yeah, it's like, um, or, like every single blockchain has shit posting on it. Like, like how many shit posters were there on, uh, uh, like Terra and how many people were putting out funny ass memes and stuff like Luna Legolas and what, who else was there? This is like, Christy and a bunch of people, right? So that really like ginned up the audience really nicely. And like, um, and then some of the conferences and things that went on, people like, you know, like chanting and cheering and shit like that. So there's, there's a lot of fun to be had either way. Um, like, you don't want to be construed as boring. Uh, if you have just a bunch of tech losers, then you just wind up with like, the, you just end up with a bunch of other tech losers in every single blockchain. I mean, how many blockchains have I had conversations with? Like how many founders have I had conversations with? And it's the same old story. Oh, like 
yeah, we've got decentralization and blah, blah, blah. We're going to be the history future of money and all that. Like, you know, like it's like you've heard it once you've heard it a million times, honestly. Um, I, I think also, I think also, yeah, maybe because, uh, I'm semi coming from this background. So it, the, the, the computer science nerd inside each one of those founders is yeah kind of <laughs> like is always is always pressing on you and you are know, just stokes and you want to prove that you spend hours in coding and thousands of hours in coding and you want to prove that you are the smartest guys in your class and you came up yeah with like think, think about this this is really pressing yeah yeah i know think about yeah. this the the newbie that plays with an iphone right or that plays with a android phone or some shit like 90% of people on this planet have no idea how the fucking thing works and they don't even care. They want to pick it up, push some buttons and, Oh, look, it does stuff. They're not worried that like, you know, uh, you know, there's maybe like, you know, jokes on the internet or something like that. Like they're not worried about those nuances. They just want to know that it works. And I think if the chain speaks for itself, it functions, people are building cool shit. There's, you know, people like that are entertaining people. There's pe- like, there's all sorts of ways to create revenue, by the way. There's entertainment, there's, uh, you know, gambling, there's trading, there's maybe like connection to real world services. There's so many different things you could like do with money. And, um, you know, if, if you're being simultaneously entertained, we find that like the engagement tends to be way higher, like on Terra when, uh, uh, before the crash, when there's all sorts of dApps and people are playing on the different DeFi plat protocols and this and that, degening and doing all sorts of fucked up shit, like they were really having a lot of fun, right? Like even though they were, even if they were losing money or whatever, they were having a tremendous amount of time, a good time while doing it. And a lot of people still miss that. Uh, so yeah, there's the, how to bring that layer of fun in is uh, someone has to do it. And like if nobody does it, you're just missing a piece of the puzzle. And it's kind of how I think of it. Yeah, Bruce. Any thoughts on that? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think for any successful community, you need different kinds of energy. Um, people who occupy different roles, either consciously or by um, just by being themselves. Like you need the more serious types. You need the more kind of informational onboarding bridge types who teach newbies about the, the ecosystem. You need people who are more like humorists and fun people. You need evangelists. You need all kinds of people. You need kind of um, Twitter hosts. You need the builders. You need to fit it all together and and fit it under this this umbrella of um, positivity and enthusiasm and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I, I think a, a major reason we managed to bring Lunk back from the dead is just because we had this this kind of energy of enthusiasm at the start. And that was quite a rare thing in all of crypto. Like the whole of crypto exploded. Everything went down. Bitcoin went down from, what, 60,000 to, to 17,000 or something. And and somewhere near the bottom, we started to talk about, about Lunk. Um, and there were some good features there. Like I, I kind of realized quite early that yeah, everyone lost a lot of money in, in Lunk. You know, the, the crash happened. My millions of dollars became like a dollar. Um, everyone lost all their money and, and those people all basically moved on to Luna. But at the same time, there were there were 4 million wallet installs. There were 150 apps. There was all of these hundreds of millions of um, dollars of development and investment that people had spent two years building the ecosystem with. Um, one of the, the funny results of the whole crash was the fact that it generated all those Oracle rewards for the validators. 
that was awesome. And also I thought like, okay, um, governance and voting and validators can change the chain. They can change the parameters. They can re-enable staking. A lot of these things that seem to be uh, what happened during the death spiral can easily be fixed. You know, you can maybe even recollateralize USTC and do different things. And when you realize that, when you realize this, this foundation is very solid, subject to governance and a few tweaks, you realize the chain has a lot of potential. So like my idea was that, okay, we have these fundamentals. We have this fact that it is significantly undervalued. Like my, my claim was not that Lunk is going to reach $1 or something like that. My claim was that we have quite interesting fundamentals here. Like how many chains have about four or five million wallet installs? It's a very rare and quite hard thing to achieve, right? And Luna benefits from that. That's like one of the reasons Do Kwon didn't start like a, a completely new chain. Like he wants to take advantage of all of the stuff, all of the infrastructure that the the narrative of UST and everyone aligned behind that ended up building. Obviously, the the algorithmic stablecoin component has has gone away, but at the same time, there's still tremendous value. And and Lunk inherited all of that. So my idea was like, okay, this thing is fundamentally undervalued. I don't know how much I heard you guys talking about, like, maybe it's a fair price, maybe it isn't. I think a lot of this depends on our ability to organize ourselves now. Like, you know, can Terror Rebels and everyone else organize themselves now? And can can we retain the the core people? You know, in any situation like this, I think it's fair to say about 1% of the people are the most critical. Like, can you organize them and structure them and incentivize them and get them to work on the chain and upgrade it and do whatever they need to do? Or, you know, will you lose them? It's like a critical time. Um, but for me, at the start of at the start of Lunk, the the key was really to to bring a different energy to the rest of the entire bear market. Everyone was depressed. So we started the whole the whole burn narrative thing. I came up with this idea in in like the middle of May and then started a validator almost immediately um, on the new Luna network and then started redirecting yield, burning the entirety of our profits, posting about it. Um, I'd speak on on spaces and also on posts talking about the vision. Like, you know, we have this crazy, interesting situation where there's this chain with all the wallets, with all the apps, with all this potential. Um, and it's like everyone has kind of moved out of the building, but there's still this building and there's still like amazing potential. And, uh, you know, if ev I, my idea was like, if everyone can unite behind the energy of fun and the narrative of burning Lunk and, you know, we can bring this thing back, maybe you could get a huge inflow of retail money and new people and, and reoccupy this building. It's not going to be the same people because they're all wrecked. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's an opportunity that's very interesting and very asymmetric. Like in the early spaces, I'd have questions and they'd be like, you know, do you think uh, Lunk is going to 10x? And I'd say, I think it's going to either do very well or it's just going to die. Um, I think you were in some of those spaces as well, Sefi. And like it ended up doing very well. But that's, that's, that's kind of stage two. You, you generate all of this attention. You generate all of this engagement and you do it through the, this, this kind of um, emotional quality of fun and humor and, you know, rallying a community together through evangelism and all that stuff. But then you have to use that, that, that attention, that engagement. You have to kind of transmute that into something real. And that's where we are now. Like, that's where we are with, with the situation we're at now. We're at this kind of 
crucial point, this, this precipice where all of that energy can be lost. It can kind of fade away. People can start to look at other projects that, that bring that sense of fun and, and enthusiasm. Um, it, it's, I, for me, it's very critical to capture it now because just on a very basic level, you can kind of feel the shift in the, in the energy and the emotion. Like it started off a couple months ago, very kind of enthusiastic and funny and everyone was very bullish and excited. And now there's this wave of kind of, I don't know, a little bit like boringness, like, like it's kind of becoming a bit boring, right? Like with all the governance and all this um, arguments and all this stuff, like it's, it's becoming a little bit boring. And that's for me, it's like, hmm, we really need to capture this, whatever we have right now, all of the people, all of the enthusiasm. And we need to um, clarify a plan, make it decisive, move it forward. Because otherwise, like... But you know, can, I, can I ask one question? Yeah, I, I just want to say, like, generally, communities can fall apart as, as quickly as they form, especially in crypto. So, like, caution is needed at a time like this, I think. And I think it's important to remember the qualities with which we got this far. Like you were talking about things like humor and, um, you know, comedy and whatever. And all of that is conscious. Like it's, it's consciously how we got to where we are. Like all of that stuff, um, was the core catalyst at the beginning. It was being the fun and the humor right at the beginning to represent something completely different to what was existing in crypto. You know, none of the seriousness, none of the depression, it was all about fun and burning and, and that whole narrative. So um, it, it's kind of yeah, funny. Like it's, it's not only that, but a significant up. portion of the people that are on like Reddit, you know, pumping forums like Wall Street Bets or people that were like on stock twits and stuff like this, right? They sort of just regurgitate some of the funny memes and funny shit and they repost them in those yep. places and all of a sudden pump this thing. If you just simply like just quiet down and act like, oh, heads down, we're going to build or whatever other bullshit. Then what will happen is all that attention you gain will dissipate. Look what happened to AMC. Look what happened to GameStop. Right? You can get those brief pumps, but that doesn't mean that's going to sustain. Like you know, if the you know, and and it's actually very difficult to kind of keep the party going in in many ways. And I think like a thing yeah. like you know how I knew like this Dogecoin thing. I think one of the guys came on and said, "What do you think about what happened with Dogecoin?" And the reason I like sold the thing, right? Like I told you, I bought it like seven cents or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. I bought it like, I don't know what the price is on the damn thing. I don't even know what they, it's worth. I, don't even, I didn't even look at it long enough to know what it's worth. Anyway, I bought it when before, like right when Elon showed up and I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to buy it then. And he showed up in the Twitter offices or whatever. I'm like, oh, let's just buy some Dogecoin. And then when did I sell it? I sold it when like I know, and maybe it'll go up still, by the way, but I sold it at like, I think 0.15 or whatever, whatever it's worth. And um, I sold it because I was like, hey, look, this thing um, is like, I don't see anybody posting Doge anything right now, right? Like I don't see where like tons and tons of people are just posting about it, like from all communities. And that was very, very common when Doge was pumping um, like uh, in, you know, 2020, 2021. And I'm like, if I don't see that energy, I'm like, fuck this, I'm out of here, right? Like that's how people that are following these things act like whether it's on Reddit, stock Twitter, or anywhere else. Like if you have lots of people posting the Luna classic tag and maybe posting funny memes that are shareable, like, you know, those little videos with like face changers and all that bullshit with all the songs and everything. When people are doing all that shit, right. 
you know the thing is going to pump. You know it's coming. You can feel it coming because people are posting everything. So it's like if people in the community want to do something to make the coins like attention go up, you don't get there by like talking nerd shit about governance or whatever. You have no. to do those things. And you almost need like a dozen people in your community that are just doing that nonstop to really make it stick. Yeah. Um, and even the Doge crowd, even the Shiba crowd, right? They die down. Like what happens is, is a lot of these meme creators and YouTube channels or whatever the fuck, they get bored too. When they don't see a lot of uh, like followers emerging, like they don't <laughs> see like, I don't know, uh, the likes and all that shit, right? They don't get the feedback loop. They get bored too quickly. And they stop producing as much content as they did. Like all of us do the same thing. It's like, it's not like all of us don't like cut our content down, you know, because like we don't feel like nobody's reading any of it. Like, like Bruce, like when, um, when one of these coins is like pumping like crazy, right? And I talk about a coin, it's like, boom, it's like within the course of like a day, there's like a thousand extra followers. I mean, where the fuck do these people come from? And then like on a normal day when none of these things are happening, like you will see like, you know, a hundred new followers on an account like mine. You'll see it like maybe in, I don't know, like a, it might take, you know, several days or something like that for a hundred. So it's very, very different. Like depending on, like you can tell when the, the the attention is dying down because if you post something like let's say about Luna Classic, like you don't see the retweets, you don't see the likes. Even from the existing community, it gets bored. Like even the folks that have a bag get bored, and they're like, ah, yeah. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, right? attention is very um, transient, and community. Even you know, in 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 general, communities can form; they can fall apart within sec. It's quite funny when everyone says like the community when this thing is formed so quickly. It's like the community, the community. Well, like everyone's invested quickly and there's a wave of enthusiasm, but it takes more than that, like long run. Um, but yeah, like there's, there's, there are these waves of attention and you need to be very careful to capture them and transmute them into um, a, a solid leadership and decisive effort. Otherwise they do fall apart. Um, and it's in many ways the the role of the leadership to create a, a continuing story with, with different waves, you know, you want to have different things for the community to be enthusiastic about. Um, and this is also the value of, of different people in the community, whether it's like, um, I mean, I can do a lot of things, but I've played kind of, a, an evangelist role a little bit and also, um, a humorist role. And I've, I've kind of worked behind the scenes a little bit myself. I'm, you know, kind of helping out TFL with, um, terror rebels and stuff. But like you see how those different qualities are necessary because otherwise like the community has nothing to hook its attention into. Like you need some shit posters, you need some comedy. Um, if it's just this kind of homogenous thing of purely informational and professional and whatever, you get a very boring blockchain that is much like um, any of the other kind of dead ones. Like <laughs> you need, you need some, something unique here. Um, and you need to use the energy when it's here because attention can disappear as quickly as it forms. Like we've look seen at that. This, like and, Bruce, look at the, I posted at the top cosmos daily posted, I guess they got a list of the so-called top influencers in the cosmos ecosystem last month. Like I post maybe like two things about Adam a day or maybe two or three things a day. What are the fuck are all these other people doing who are like like running like entire sites and graphics related to Cosmos? Like I'm not barely posting anything comparatively, right? And I'm number one on that list. It's embarrassing, actually. Like that, like I'm not even like 
like taking it that seriously and it's that level it just it's not right like like what what is everyone doing so this what is what i'm trying to say it's like everyone gets bored and like every, no everyone just disappears and i'm like where are all the people posting about adam or luna classic or luna or whatever the fuck they're all gone like luna is is, is exceptionally the case like nobody's talking about luna at all right like it's like besides what, uh, like a few people what hashtag is this you've searched on luna crush Whatever this uh, well, this is just Cosmos Daily did this one up at the top that uh, they just probably pulled it off of Lunar Crush and they just like posted or something. Yeah. Or they have some other uh, API or something that they got I mean, this information. Or Atom or something like that. It's probably the Atom hashtag, yeah. Or the, yeah. the dollar sign Atom or something. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating how, how many multi-billion um, chains have almost no influences at all. <laughs> like it is, it's kind of mad. <laughs> But it's kind of, Joanna, I had, I had a question, maybe I had to throw it out, maybe Luna, BJB had first question, so maybe you can go ahead, sorry, so, um, if you want. It's all good, brother, go ahead. Yeah, so I just wanted to maybe interrupt to Bruce, because um, you, you, you mentioned now that people now are kind of being divided, and uh, maybe that's a time now to be more taking it seriously and going more like... Um, with the decisions like the multi-sig wallet and those stuff now that's uh, being on the surface of the Loom network. The, the thing is, the, the thing for me is that the, you said that maybe five months ago or six months uh, when the crash happened and the, you said that uh, being sarcastic and part of the comedy and trying to maybe sacrifice some of your money from the from the Luna V2 uh, validator to push people or to encourage people to come back to the Loom, which is pretty cool, by the way, um, good also. Um, but now, is it? do you see it also partially normal that what's happening now, I mean, part of the of the life cycle of, uh, of the repick of the Loom and the USDC, because now people are coming more back to the Loom or maybe new people are coming to the Loom, different type of investors and now it's like everyone is being on focus really on where the money is going and what's happening and the roadmap. And um, I think Terra Rebels are trying to maybe do some stuff, trying and to I think, publish roadmaps. Machiner, I think those people are doing those things, right? Like there's nothing wrong with any of that. My, uh, like my bigger concern is like the drama level has gone down. And I'm not talking about like drama between like people fighting about governance issues or some other bullshit. I'm talking about like, the like sort of entertainment level and virality like what's the next big thing that the chain's going to introduce that's going to bring the attention of the crypto world right like you could build all sorts of shit and have a chain languish for years and years at a time in a bear market right like like you could have like a five-year protracted bear market for example um you know mm -hmm. in in, yeah. in like or three or four you know like these crazy long time periods and that's not unheard of in crypto at all. So it's like, um, you, you want to be like, there needs to be people talking about those kinds of things. Like just, yeah, we need some drama, right? Yeah. And it can't be totally contrived either. If you do it like, like a, Hey, we're going to put together a marketing team and we're going to put some graphics together or whatever. Like that doesn't make it things sexy necessarily. Right. Like different design houses. I don't know if it's like, you know, Louis Vuitton or, uh, like a Coca-Cola or an Apple or whatever, each of them has a different like methodology for their brand mm -hmm. or whatever. But you always like, need the pathos, right? You need the emotions. That's the yeah. There needs to be an emotional 
connection built and, um, you know, interesting things on the chain that create an emotional connection are super important. Like you need daily engagement on a chain, like whatever the hell you're doing, if, if you're not going on the chain and doing something every day, then like there's something missing. Like that's what I missed out of Terra um, when it was at its full capacity and why it got so popular is because there was like shit on there to do literally every day. Like there was like claiming these rewards on this thing. And then there was like, you know, like leveraging and playing and like, there's always this, yeah, it's, it's like a video. Earn, no? Yeah. It's like a big video game and you need to have some, like, uh, there needs to be some more activities on chain too. And a lot of DAP developers and stuff, or a lot of the people that end up um, sort of advertising and whatever, but like um, DAP developers also are looking for, wait a minute, if I'm going to put a casino on Luna Classic, are, is this a group of people that want to gamble? They want to have fun? Or are they like looking for some sort of DeFi application? Like, well, what are, you know what I mean? Like, like what, what are you going to produce? Like, is this if you're not a fun chain well why in the world would a game developer want to use your chain right they want yeah, but, absolute but, but, virality they want they just want absolutely the max number of users they can find for their game and they they want a group of people that want to have fun they're not necessarily looking for people that have like you know you know great at necessarily creating a DeFi protocol or something so yeah it depends on who you're trying to attract i guess yeah but, yeah, but, but yeah yeah just just say but maybe Maybe the thing is now what's different now is that um, um, someone bought uh, only with 10 bucks or 100 bucks, maybe a couple of thousands, which also uh, all respect to this person who just bought with this money. But now for him, he's just dreaming, daily dreaming, $1, $100, you know, and he's just making a fat on the Twitter. Okay, that's also part of his rights, also, honestly to speak, maybe. That he doesn't like this or that, and yeah, it's only and this kind of part you cannot control, right? The other thing you have to remember also is when you get to a certain market cap, you're going to get a lot of people that short the coin that you're interested in. Like we had some pretty major short positions on Terra um, before, and these are public people that were posting their short positions, like Galoy Capital and GCR and other people, and had fairly large positions, and obviously there those are the, just the people that like actually posted we had entire botnets of fud like like tons and tons of botnets of posting fud on on chain so these are things that you just have to get used to like the newbie in crypto like must absolutely get to kind of keep in mind like the newbie has to sort of just go through that trial by fire and and whether it's on luna classic or anything else and um so yeah you you like you you don't want to necessarily like attract people that are just weak otherwise they're going to sell the first minute they see fud anyway so i don't know that's just my like my this is my observation of having watched this play out for many years like this is not just something about luna or luna classic or whatever like thanks for checking out another episode of the ether that was part one of a two-part chepe space lunk dao who are they really Recorded on Tuesday, November 1st, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Sneaking through.
Back alleys on a little cosplay Broadway all day Looking like the wrong way Resuscitating major players in the waiting room Sifting through the paperwork while I be debating fools Breaking rules, breaking bad Like we always wait for doom Slayed a few in my early years Off beneath the shroom Sitting in the dark Waiting for the daily news To let us know what we should believe as the latest truth Stay aloof, writing rhymes in the studio Trying to keep it well lit like filming a movie role Sorting through support from your endorsements Of course we're tripping balls, handed reports in The latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of pack of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Energy always gets the best of me when I kick it in the lab, messing with new recipes. Gotta mix and match, flip the lash, letting rhythm scratch. No shit, spitting facts with my vision smashed. Big trip aristocrats, dishing out a list of trash. Missing wisdom, this fish is too big to catch. Better let the missus know where you hit the stash. Watch your next step, bro, before you hit the traps. Walking on eggshells, tripping over landmines. And I'm about done dealing with these damn lies. Man, I'm looking at this planet like a franchise. Chastised into digging holes in the back nine. The latest proof. Ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of peck of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner finger, licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Two spaces. <laughs>